0: Expendables 4 brings back the franchise that's all about building a team of legendary action stars. Okay, so this time there's no Van Damme or Bruce Willis or Arnold, but we have got Andy Garcia? Welcome everyone to the Collector's Cut. I am Peter, and joining me, as always, is David. Do you know what a golden shower is? This is a movie podcast. We have been working our way through the Expendables franchise because we're masochists, apparently. Y- yeah. Uh, just so we could be ready for the Expendables four, or pardon me, Expendables. <laughs> Expendables. It just flows off the tongue. Yeah. Although, to be fair, as on IMDb is just the Expendables 4, I think that is a accepted way of saying it. because that's what it to is. me. It's I'm going to say expend fourables every time I talk about this movie. And as we said, you know, back when we started doing the Expendables, I was surprised that they were bringing this back for another go-round. It felt like a weird thing. And the box office, uh, from its opening weekend this past <laughs> weekend, would suggest that a lot of people were surprised that they brought it back. And we're not curious enough to go see why. So we'll get into I, all that. I bought my tickets
1: to this movie like two hours before it was going like to start. Yes. I was like, oh yeah, I still need to do that. I hope there's still seats left. <laughs> there were exactly three other seats taken in this theater, and
0: I don't think there were any more bought after me. There was two people at my showing other than me. And that was it. That said, though yep. I did go during the day, you went at more of a prime time. Oh, to be fair though, you did go on mm-hmm. like with Tuesday. It wasn't. It wasn't like it was Saturday night. Uh, opening no, weekend. I went on Tuesday, but that is bargain night,
1: which would oh, make okay. you think more people okay. would come out.
0: So that's good to know. I did not know Tuesday was bargain night. Uh, yep. So, yeah, we'll start spoiler free as we always do. Of course, we might mention something from the first three, but obviously, we just re- reviewed all those. Uh, mm-hmm. We're, we're well versed. We we're about as. Prepared in the lore of Expendables as we could be coming into this fourth one, so we'll get into all the stuff. But quick, what was the name of Jason
1: Statham's girlfriend over the first three movies?
0: Cardelia. No idea. So sure. Well, why that's a, that's a character on the hit television show, after oh, the Vampire right. Slayer, which is why I said Cardelia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could not tell you what her name was. Oh, uh, <laughs> to be fair, it's only the first two movies. She wasn't in the third one. That's fair, but she was implied in the other one, So, <laughs> Didn't they have a new girlfriend in the third one, or did they just not? No. Did they not mention his love life at all? It was just not at all off camera. It was PG thirteen. Okay. We couldn't have any sexual situations. <laughs> oh yeah, because the the clothes lying in bed next to each other in this movie feels super R rated. I mean, it says rated R for sexual situations, and I can't think of another one. So, well, no, apparently it, it, that's tacked on. To be honest, the guy explaining what a golden shower is probably did more for the rating than the the, the quote-unquote. Because it's not a sex scene. It cuts away before they have sex, and then they're just Mm -hmm. kind of pillow-talking afterwards. Anyway. By the way, her name was Lacey. Does it even ring a bell? No. (laughs) Doesn't ring a bell whatsoever. So we are here. We have director... What is this? Scott Waugh? Sure. That's W A U G H. Woo? Wow? I don't know how you say his last name. Wow. <laughs> but he directed films such as Need for Speed, which I'm sure we'll do some as a video game theme. Eventually. We'll get there. Uh six below, Hidden Strike and Act of Valor. Do you recognize any of those names? Than, Need for Speed. Yeah, That's than, it. Yeah. Yeah, me neither. So we're dealing with a a true auteur uh, Mm -hmm. for Expendables 4, which is one of the weird things about this whole endeavor is that if you're bringing this franchise back, you feel like, okay, there must be some kind of purpose to it. It must be a passion project for Stallone or someone deeply involved who really wants it to happen. And then you look at the director they've got and you go, hmm, this feels a little bit just shit out the door, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit. Work work for hire director, no, no passion so i won't even bother getting at the plot in fact to be honest a lot of the plot is quite spoilery the trailers do a job of hiding some big things because the yeah. it does take some turns uh but we'll get into all that in spoiler territory i'll just ask the question david how did you feel about expendables 4 you know
1: i never really sat and looked at the poster like, I've, I've, <laughs> they they did this thing, the same they've been doing, where they've listed off all the names of everyone in this movie. Yes. And if I really looked at it, I
0: should have realized how few returning names there really are. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. This is the thing. So I don't think this is too spoiler what to say that... Mm-hmm there isn't any big cameos or anything like that because I, I was kind of wondering as i was watching it early on i was thinking oh i mean i know he's not advertised but is it we have to have an arnold cameo by the end i ha- think yeah. yeah there has to be an arnold but there's no arnold there's no van damme there's terry cruz isn't back you he, no, that he's a huge action star but he was in the first three so he's not back instead we get andy garcia
1: yeah which isn't even like a cameo. Like, he's on the poster. Yeah, it says Garcia there. less him like he's an action star. Yes, I I, yeah. I, I agree. Well, all, all of that, it was, suffice to say, of that, with such few cast returning, that should have been the first thing, the first little flag in my head that Red flag, said, yes. yeah, there shouldn't have been this movie. This movie should not be a thing. And stepping into the theater, I got to say... This movie is very basic. This movie is extremely simple. I can't really say it's good in any meaningful capacity. What I did think was really awesome is that they decided to save money by doing all of their effects on a PS3, so that's neat. <laughs> um, beyond that, nah, it's, it's just trash, like the whole way through, and it's it so quickly is apparent in how trash it is, just in basic structure and, like, tropes they play on. Again, can't get into much of it without spoilers, but, like, it's immediately apparent as soon as the movie starts. So, yeah, not good
0: is the baseline I'd give it here. That's, uh, yes. This this has maybe some of the worst visual effects and green screen work I have seen in a movie, in a major movie that I've seen at a theater ever. And mm-hmm. well, I don't think this had a huge budget relative to like what a lot of movies have these days. I can't imagine it was like a direct to TV style budget. Like they surely could have done more than this because this was laughable at points. Yeah. Uh, as for my feelings on it, it's kind of a turd, and it? it's 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 rough. Joe, um, you know the sad part is, is that if they told me. The, the the idea for the next Expendables is we're going to do our Die Hard. We're going to do a thing that's all set in one location. I just said that is a cool gimmick. Yeah, that could be fun. Do it. But they don't do that. That's not what this movie is. But the reason why I'm bringing that up is because it does half of the movie in one location. Yep. And it's the second half. So they're doing this thing in the second half where I thought, oh, this is like the middle end of Act 2 thing. And then there was a slow realisation where I'm like, oh no, wait, the rest of the movie's going to be here. And... I, I know it sounds weird that it would be better to do the whole movie in the one location than just half of it, but it is. Like, if you told me that's the point of the movie, that's the gimmick, is that they're trapped in one location and there's a thing going on and they're going to go do the Die Hard thing. I'd be like, yeah, mm-hmm. that sounds awesome. But when you do, like, half normal movie, quote-unquote, and then you sort of switch to that, it feels like you're just trying to save money by just being on, this like, a same series of yeah. sets the whole time. It, it struck me... I think the biggest problem is if they had just
1: said, okay, the third act is going to be entirely on this location, then yeah, we'll just go ahead and do that. That's a normal action movie sort of thing where you just uh-huh. have one location for the third act. If they instead said, okay, we're going to do both the second and third act. Like once the first act is done, they're stuck in this location and that's all it's going to be for the rest of the movie. That could, have, say, been fine, sure. yeah.
0: that could have been fine, yeah. I,
1: yeah, that would have been fine as well. Instead, what they did was they said, okay, we're going to have the first act, we're just going to skip the second act, and then we're going to have the third act all in this location. And that doesn't work. That's just structurally wrong.
0: <laughs> if anything, I disagree, though. I don't think this, if anything, I think this is a four-act structure. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you... Yeah, because there's definitely a point that's the end of the first act, and there's definitely mm-hmm. a section after that before it gets to the location. So, You say that, but, like, it's barely anything. It's, like, three scenes Oh, max. no, it's it's a
1: whole thing. We're going to talk All about right. it. I've got All thoughts right. on that section. Maybe you see the first act as ending differently than I do, but <laughs> fair enough.
0: There's a lot of really, like... I mean, the sentiment I've had get into this, or it's certainly coming out of it anyway, and the sentiment mm-hmm. I've also seen online from people who grew up with action movies who are fans and who remember being hopeful for that first expendables and then being disappointed and you know, two was better and two i think it's the closest that it ever got to being good uh, yeah. three obviously was disappointing and not, not good is that it doesn't feel like it should be that hard to make a good one because when i look at some of the best action b movies right i'm not talking about like die hard's obviously an exceptional film in so many ways but when I look at an action B movie, let's take one of the stars. Let's take Arnold, right? Commando. Mm. Commando, which we've not done in the show. I'm sure we will someday for some theme. Whether, you know, whether it's Arnold, whether it's whatever, I don't know. But yeah. it's a simple action movie that you can really critique based on typical things and that's kind of what makes it a b-movie and the same way that a slasher movie you don't go in and go well the characters don't have arcs and it doesn't have a lot of symbolism or stuff the best ones in the genre will but most of them are b-movies and that's what makes them b-movies but if you like those types of b-movies you're into them and commando is that commando is that for action movies it is dumb action but it's fun it's entertaining he's got one-liners he's got charisma it's got and i think the one good bit of filmmaking aside from the good stunt works and stuff that you need is probably just a good sense of pacing and Commando mm. has a good sense of pacing. Not to say that this was dragging on or anything. It's it's fine in that sense, I guess. Yeah. But it's got some structural problems, but I wouldn't necessarily say it's got pacing problems. Those are very different things. I think that
1: the third act stalls and restarts a few times. But that's yes, fair, I agree yeah. that structurally it's a problem. Pacing-wise, it's fine.
0: Yeah, that's, it's like a script problem rather than a mm-hmm. we're keeping the momentum going kind of thing. Now, something I do want to bring up and I I literally was
1: just thinking about this. So, you know, just crossed my mind. I know you're not a fan of the James Bond movies, but you know how there was that drought after Pierce Brosnan before they got the gritty reboot with Daniel Craig.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the reason there was that drought is... Well, is <laughs> do you know what? In hindsight, that drought was only four years, but yeah, sure, we'll call it a drought. Right. yeah. <laughs>
1: But the reason there was that period was, and the reason that it shifted so abruptly when it came back, was because of the Austin Powers movies basically saying, you know, it's a parody. We're making fun of this genre. And so they didn't feel like they could do the sort of fun, campy spy stuff anymore. They had to go really gritty. I also would like to point out the same sort of concept, though on a much larger timescale, with things like you know, your 80s campy horror movies, then the Scary Movie franchise came out, stuff like that, and then when they were done with that, it started going to much more gritty, like, super scary horror rather than the campy stuff. It's
0: a bit fuzzier timeline-wise. I would argue that the self-referential horror of, like, New Nightmare and Scream kind of started Mm -hmm. that, and then Scary Movie took it to the the zenith, which was, like, ultra-parody, yeah. So Uh,
1: I guess I'm wondering... Is that why Expendables is not trying to do a B-movie thing? Because the B-movies lived and died in the 80s, then people were kind of just parodying it for a while, and now they feel like they have to be actually like gritty action movies, and they aren't allowed to get away with that B-movie camp?
0: The thing is, though, is it does kind of have a little bit of that camp. It's just—and this is a problem with the whole franchise, honestly, at this point, is that it's never Mm. quite decided— what it wants to be tonally and where right. it wants to land some of them have veered a little bit more towards serious. some have veered a little bit more towards silly and this likewise has a, a dose of both and obviously it can be a great thing when a good movie can juggle tone shifts right when, when mm-hmm. you have a movie that can you know easily shift between comedy and series and even make the comedy like help the series stuff land better because, oh, I, I shared some laughs with this character earlier, so later on, if they're in jeopardy, you're like, oh, no, I really care about them because they made me laugh earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. that that t- That's a true skill. That is, uh, is amazing writing and everything else that goes along with that when you can pull that off. But the what happens more often when you can't just decide upon a tone, and I guess the reason why this is is because when a movie does shift tones so much that in, in, a, in a way that works, it's because... The tone shifts are being used as a tool to enhance what's happening in the story, as opposed to here, where it just kind of feels like, oh, we want to have some goofy one-liners here, and we want to have this silly bit of toilet right. humor here, literally toilet humor in one case, right? And right, and but then we want to try and pretend we're serious in these other scenes. Instead of this being a like all the pieces of a coherent puzzle that are coming together to tell our overall story, it's just like something that's doing a tug of war. And fighting for dominance, right. and that's where it yeah. feels wrong. Yeah, I mean that's uh,
1: it's the problem of the. I think one of the opening scenes in this movie is the biggest issue with it, and it's not even a scene; it's the transition between scenes. Mm. In that we open with this war torn action scene, all these explosions, bloody kills, stuff like that. It's very serious. And then we get it's a very serious hard scene. Hard, hard cut. To Megan Fox yelling at Jason Statham as Sylvester Stallone watches, like, oh gosh, what's going on here, guys? And then we hard cut back again. Like, it just structurally does not work here,
0: especially yeah. in the
1: tone sense.
0: Especially in top. But even that, though, confused me because. We got that gritty opening where it's like, basically, it's basically, uh, this is the only uh, Avengers, this is the only Expendables movie that doesn't open with the Expendables coming into a place to be the, Mm -hmm. because they're on a mission and it's them finishing their previous mission. Uh, And to be fair, to give credit, I think the point of this is that you're meant to think they're about to show up and for a second you think it is them, but no, it's actually the villains of the movie doing something bad and you're like, okay, that's a nice little swerve to be fair for all the shit i'm going to give this movie that's actually a nice little play on expectations based on the first three so
1: congratulations you blew your load in five
0: minutes now <laughs> we have enough. to sit here for an hour 40 more and they, they sort of end the scene on kind of like a, oh the villain wants something and he's got like where to go for it and it cuts to the stuff you say with the others mm-hmm. when it cuts back to this stuff it cuts back to the villain just walking from where he was as if no, like no time has passed and yeah. i'm like wait like. Like, by cutting to that other stuff that played out over a a few minutes, you gave me an impression, at least, of time passing. But now Mm -hmm. we're cutting back to this as if no time has passed, which, this is something you typically do if, like, you're going back to, like, a flashback repeatedly. You'll sort of go back and pick up where you left off or something. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really work in this sense where you cut back to it and it's like, no, no, this is still concurrently happening. But it can be, because we just spent however long doing other stuff. The Uh, The moment we cut back
1: to the gritty action scene that was the moment i lost hope in the movie because it was it's just like film 101 stuff if you cut away from a scene then you either need to like show that they are intercutting together for a purpose or that time is passing and then you're when you cut back it's like much later
0: on neither of those happened so it's just worthless it was it was actively confusing and maybe mm-hmm. their thought was, is that oh, this went on too long, so we're going to split it in two and put some of the lighter stuff in between. But it, mm-hmm. when it cut back to him, and it was, he was just walking, and I'm like, wait, a second has passed since the last time we saw him. This feels weird. Like, what's going on? And it, it's that realization of, oh, I think they just made a mistake. I just think this yeah. is bad editing and, and bad structure.
1: I mean, look at the alternatives here are, we have the entirety of Sylvester Stallone stuff at the beginning before any of the action stuff which means we don't get that big bombastic opening we're looking for. Yeah. Or we get the entirety of this action scene stuff, which all in all, I would say takes a good 10 minutes total, give or take.
0: Uh, Including both parts, maybe, yeah. Yeah.
1: So we'd have to spend a full 10 minutes before we then got to, oh, look, Sylvester Stallone's on a motorcycle, which I think that the studio would have been like, oh, well, you have to show the heroes before that. And so we got this weird middle ground of garbage.
0: Yeah. It also ends with its darkest moment at the end of the second part of all this stuff, which would be a really weird tone thing to then just cut to everything else. And, oh, we're yeah. all lighthearted comedy now with old friends bickering at each other. Ha 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 ha. Oh, the, the, the hilarity. Oh, dear. Um, I will say the music was disappointing just because uh like at least the first movies were all done by brian tyler and mm. there was like con- main themes that kept coming back in each movie so it felt like it had like a a coherent voice maybe not the most original or most exciting like mm. scores you've ever heard but it at least was a consistent thing uh a language if you will throughout the three movies uh here i didn't notice any of those themes coming back and i barely even noticed the music that was there so It it kind of felt like they just, I I mean, I assume it wasn't him anymore because I didn't recognize any of the music, but... uh, Yeah, no, I I think I read a
1: trivia that it was him dropping off the project for something else. I think he, the person who did the score originally was busy doing the score of the Super Mario Brothers movie and something else that came out this year. I bet that paid better. Mm, yeah (laughs) here's hoping hoping the people who did this project did not show up for a
0: gross percentage of profits because Jesus Christ yeah we'll point out the specific moments when we're in spoilers but I just I really have to emphasize again the horrible green screen and CG in this is it because we already said the CG was bad enough the the last movie but like effects are supposed to get better a decade later not worse I'm pretty sure they could have just plugged this script into like
1: off-the-shelf AI visualizer stuff, and it still would have come out better. Like this, is, <laughs> there were sequences in this where I saw planes in front of the explosion that's happening to them for a few frames, mm. and it's just the compositing is all wrong. The green screen is horrible. There's there's nothing good when it comes to special effects here, except maybe for the very, 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 very final set piece the two shots it's used in but that's uh, all i could say i mean
0: maybe like maybe you can excuse some of that as okay well at least that's explosions and stuff and all that like but even when someone's just like sitting on like a, a boat and the water behind them is completely fake and they're clearly on a soundstage somewhere and it just mm-hmm. looks unconvincing with the background the entire time like like those student films have better green screen than this yeah for sure it, it's, 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 it's shocking it's laughable
1: I also, I just, I can't get over the idea. I know this is more advertising than is the text of the movie itself, but I just love how, like, all of the Lionsgate official, like, synopsis they put out said, oh, yeah, they're going to give new blood a whole new meaning. And I'm like, there's three new people. That's not new blood. This yeah. is just old blood, and you've just peppered <sighs> in a bit of extra people.
0: Yeah, Can we, actually, I want to talk about the new characters for a minute. Oh, no, yes, please, um, please. So the biggest advertised one, of course, is Megan Fox, Mm -hmm. uh, who, I mean, it's all spoiler stuff, but I'll just say, when you actually look back at what she accomplishes in this movie by the end, you'll realize she did nothing, and uh, we'll talk about that. I mean, they talk about her as if she's going to be a big deal in the movie, but no, does nothing. Uh, we have, for some reason, they really liked the running joke of Antonio Banderas in the last movie, but couldn't get him back. So they decided to make a son of that character who talks the exact same way. I, uh, I was, I I, 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 I was, I was, I was gobsmacked. when they explain this. And not only do they explain it, like, do you know they do that thing where a character says, oh, who's that? And then someone explains it. They have Stallone say, who's that? And then one of them goes, wait, you hired him. It's so-and-so's son.
1: No, no. It's even worse than that because that's the third who's that in the single scene. Like, it's just they walk into a room and they keep on being like, who's that? Oh, he's the new guy. Who's that? Oh, you hired him. Who's that? He's the guy who's replacing Harrison Ford. Who's that? That's Jason Statham, man. What are you
0: doing? <laughs> we also have uh, 50 Cent.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Notorious action movie star, 50 yeah. Cent. Uh, he's here. And then we have a character named Lash. We've got another lady, which, which is good at least. I've got two ladies this time, so that's something. That's an improvement. Uh, yep. But And I actually looked her up because I was like, oh, is she like, because d- I was thinking, is she here because she was in an action movie? And that's why the, f- the f- cast are like, oh, the- because she has cred from somewhere else. But I looked her up and I couldn't see anything. Closest, I- it looks like, is the first purge, which is not really
1: action. Yeah, so... that's a bit
0: of a stretch. Yeah, yeah. not an action star at all. Um, but it's okay. Okay. We got, we got, you know, it's a different type of character. Fine. Uh, yeah. Obviously, Lundgren's back as Gunner um we got Statham, we got stallone andy garcia's kind of the cia guy now which honestly Mm -hmm. we'll get into this more in spoilers but i'll just say it feels like the cia are running the expendables now as opposed to them being like a separate entity that they just call on when there's something that needs done yeah it was a bit weird to me i've i've got
1: a lot of issues with how andy garcia's character is in this whole movie and how he interacts with the team because it feels like such a postscript it doesn't feel like they actually thought out how this was going to work.
0: Yeah. Uh, we have Tony Ja who shows up a little bit later in the movie as someone mm-hmm. that Stallone knows. Um, we also have the villain played by Ico Uwais. I'm probably butchering his name. So I apologize. White? Yeah. Uh, but he... he but like, these are the two that make sense, though. Because Tony yep. Ja was from Ongbak, I believe, was his franchise yes, that he was known correct. for. And Ico is from the raid one and two which mm-hmm. you know very good and he's done a few other things as well so those are the ones that I actually feel like oh no, no you're actually bringing in action stars of modern action movies that were successful and right. people associate with that genre those ones make some sense to me andy garcia On <laughs> <laughs> and the other hand not so much what do you mean the oceans 11 movies are definitely
1: action-packed fighting movies of course <laughs> Uh, can I can I just throw yeah. out real quick? I mean, the rest of the cast is kind of whatever, there's not a lot of big names there, but there's no, one, just... yeah, there's no
0: one else to bother mentioning, to be honest.
1: Well, well, <laughs> well maybe, one, yeah, maybe one. Exactly my point. Exactly my point though. Mm-hmm. Randy Couture as Toll Road, this is the first movie that I feel like they remembered. Oh wait, that's right. He's a character who can do things and can have a personality.
0: Did I was amazed no. with how many lines they gave him. Yeah, they give him a lot of lines, but I have to disagree here because the joke you always bring up in these reviews about his characters, all he ever mm-hmm. talks about or anyone talks to him about is his ear. And yep. all they give him in this movie is a running joke where someone early on, 50 Cent, I think, asks him oh, what happened to the ear. And he's like, I'm glad you asked. And he starts explaining it. And that happens again when someone else asks. And it's mm-hmm. just this running thing. However, however.
1: They maybe sorta of kind of a little bit give him a love interest. So oh, very slightly. <laughs> that's more than right. he's had his entire
0: life. So yes. I'm willing to give him that win. Yeah, it's much younger woman, just as into a guy with a dodgy ear, apparently. Alright. Yep. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh yeah, but yeah, Jonah, you know I think it's because, because Terry Crews isn't here and those were always kind of a pair. They basically He gets all of the lines that he would have got and all the lines that Terry Crews would have got. Yeah. Not, not in terms of the exact lines of dialogue, but the, the amount of lines. Like they all went to him, so he got like double the amount. Or maybe it's just that we've lost all these stars, so all of a sudden this guy feels more important just because he was here for the last three.
1: I would also say that I don't feel like Dolph Lundgren had maybe five lines across the whole movie.
0: He felt like he was significantly stripped down. Yeah, they give a couple of silent things to do, but yeah, it was it was definitely yeah. I, I don't. yeah. It's it's weird. Like, how do you juggle all these characters? And it never really feels like honestly, like Jason Statham actually feels like he's the main character in this one. Which yeah, which it, honestly, in some ways, is an improvement and could have been a better improvement if they really like really committed to it and said, no, this is his story this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, obviously they make other mistakes along the way, so it is whatever. So, yes. Uh, yep. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I was going to say, there's, there's,
1: <laughs> with, the, the thing is, is that there's such a major spoiler and it's such a blockade towards
0: all the rest of the conversation. Yeah, yeah. All I'll say is I feel like I don't dislike Megan Fox. I think she got a, a really bad rap after transformers because she had that whole conflict Mm -hmm. with bay and you know she i think she sounded you know quite uh well spoken when she's talking about how she's been treated as a sex object and stuff yeah but i I will say that here it does kind of feel like she's just the sexy one and gets scenes that just correspond to being the sexy one and i don't (laughs) think and it's not really her fault but it is kind of it just it feels like she's probably owed some chances to do some other things, but she just keeps getting roles that don't really give her a chance to do anything else.
1: Yeah. It's, it's the same sort of thing of like the Hollywood heartthrob, even on the male side only gets like the sexy roles. They're never able to really stretch out and do.
0: I I think it sticks out here though, because the other woman in the the, the team, uh, Lash, she doesn't get much to do, but I feel like she has a more interesting personality and she just seems cooler. And, yeah, you know, it, like, and she's not like she gets a lot to do, but just by the nature of not being pigeonholed into the hot one, she gets to, you know, and it's not like when I, mean, I say that, it's not like she comes across as this ogre, like tomboy who isn't sexy. She's still perfectly attractive, and, yeah, you know, everything else. But she she has a bit more attitude. She has a bit more of a, a unique visual style. She you I know, think
1: more memorable. I, I think for me the issue is with Megan Fox. They were trying so hard to make her. Appealing to the audience of The Expendables while not coming mm. across as a sex object that she basically just had to be neutral the whole time. She couldn't really stretch out as an mm. interesting character because as soon as they gave her something that might have been a character flaw or like something that was a major turnoff sort of thing, they were studio was afraid the audience would be like, oh yeah, see, that's just why she should have been a sex object all along.
0: Yeah, I mean... I guess my critique of that to, to the studio would be how about we don't pander to the lowest common denominator in the... Well, it's obvious the lowest common denominator is not coming out with their wallets, so... <laughs> okay. Look, this movie's got more than one problem, right? It, it, yeah. Obviously, It obviously does. Uh, do you know what? i will all stay Jason Statham. Uh, mm-hmm. Man's in his like, mid to late 50s now, he still looks the same as he did like 20 years ago. The man's yeah. aging very gracefully, I have to say. <laughs> as, out of all of the actors here,
1: I mean, Dolph Lundgren, they even make some snaps at how old he truly is right now. Yeah, which is, but, which is fair enough because, yeah, some of them are getting really old now. Oh, yeah. But I would say Jason Statham, like, no one really makes a grab at him. And I, I think that's for a good reason. He has aged very well and he's able yeah. to still do these stunts. So, I, yeah, yeah, I, st- I still
0: believe he can be this character, if nothing else. Uh, mm-hmm. And maybe that'll, that may only be for a few more years. You know, maybe once he hits 60, it'll maybe suddenly start to. Because I, yeah. I kind of feel the same with Tom Cruise, where he didn't really show his age until he hit about 60. And now he's, now I can kind of see it. Like, I'm, like, oh, I, I can see it in the face a little bit. I can see that you're kind of like stretching your youth as much as you possibly can here uh so hey ho well i guess with all that said we should just go into the spoilers so uh spoilers ahead spoilers Mm -hmm. ahoy you might say uh for expendables for you have been warned so sylvester stallone dies (laughs) no he doesn't no he doesn't but for most of the movie (laughs) we're led to believe that sylvester stallone dies (laughs) so at the end of act one right which is for me him snuffing it seemingly okay see that's where i see it too so yeah fair enough um like okay immediately i'm like this all the way this has been put together feels too suspicious for me to believe that he's actually dead so Mm -hmm. when he eventually does like show up right at the very end i was like yeah of course i was right the whole time oh yeah but Part of me was disappointed because as much as it wasn't very well done, I would have at least given them credit for sticking to their guns if right. he was truly dead. Instead, you got the worst of both worlds where I'm like, that was shit and you're also cowards. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same sort of thing that we come across in comics when we read them. Like, Whenever there's a
1: fake out for a character death, you're like, even if you did it well there, I don't believe you. I mm. don't believe this character is dead because like, why would you write yourself into a corner like that where it's like, Oh, you killed off your best character sort of thing. Plus, as soon as that happened, the moment that I realized, Oh wait, we're going to be going a serious length of this movie without Sylvester Stallone. I all of a sudden realized, Oh my God this is the expendables movie that not even stallone wanted
0: to be (laughs) yeah that's the thing like uh, even before he went i was okay there's no bruce willis unfortunately because he he can now he's obviously retired right right, for health Mm -hmm. reasons and then seemingly there's not going to be any arnold van damme was a one and done thing chuck norris was one and done i'm like all the action. like so when they killed off stallone again seemingly obviously he's not really dead but when Mm -hmm. they killed off stallone's character i was like you just took away the one actual action star that was in this movie. What, yeah. are, what are you doing? You crazy bastards. Uh, but at least I'm like, okay, if that was better executed, if I actually felt it and it wasn't just out of nowhere, I might have said, hey, that's ballsy. Like that's ballsy to try and elevate the rest of them by them to having to go and get revenge for Barney. That 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 might have been interesting in theory. Uh, but we'll go, th- as we go through in order, we'll talk about all the ways right. theory did not come to pass. <laughs> So, yes, uh, so as we said, the movie opens with the, you know, so we're at like a, a military compound, there's a general of some kind uh, mm. with his family inside. I think it said we're in Libya, what do Yes, this yeah. is Gaddafi's former chemical plants or something like that. Oh, very good. Uh, so... You think, oh, the Expendables are going to show up. And they start, like, you know, there's a couple of quick, quiet gunshots, and then there's just, like, rockets coming in and, like, taking out yeah. the tanks and all that. And you're like, oh, is it the Expendables? And then it's like, no, 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 it's actually the villain, who's a Ramat, we'll call him. Which, Which is his name, it, by the way. I'm not just making that up. Yes, That's what he's doing. It is, but, it is Ramat.
1: <laughs> I, I actually listened back to our previous Expendables reviews, just briefly, I didn't listen to the whole thing, but the I one was, thing that I was going to we... say not that long ago. But, <laughs> yeah. but the one thing that we constantly kept bringing up was this: none of these movies felt like they knew how to give the big hero entrance to the Expendables. <laughs> And this was the first movie where, like, oh no, this guy gets killed off screen, and then these rockets come in, and then these like tanks start rolling, and I'm like, this is it—they finally figured out how to do the big hero entrance, and then they show it's the villains, and I'm like, oh, never mind.
0: Thanks, movie. I mean, villains are owed the entrance as well, but it's just ironic, yes, that yeah they've never managed it for the hero team when it should be the easiest thing in the world. It, it should. Be should. The, it should be the first thing that they're. Thinking about when they're making this stupid movie. Uh, so we have this, and he tortures a guy, where's the general? And I'll just do the second half while we're here, because yeah. you know, it is just one continuous scene basically that's split in two. Uh, and he goes in and he wants the codes to a vault to have triggers in them, right, for nuclear weapons. And he's already killed the general's wife, he's on she's on the floor and brings in his son, and is like, I'm going to kill your son, unless you, you know, like... In fact, he even implies that I'm going to kill him anyway, but it'll be much slower if you yeah. don't tell me what I want. So he does, you know, give him the numbers eventually, and then he goes, good choice, and then he goes to shoot the kid in the head, and it cuts away. He clearly did it, but it cuts away, obviously, so you don't see it. Yeah. It's like, okay, that was super dark. What are we doing on the other side of the movie at this point? What's Sylvester Stallone and co. doing? <laughs> yes. So, by the way, they start off in the logo on the motorbike, and then it, mm-hmm. like, comes round. and to, to be fair, they do kind of give him a hero's entrance, but he's just not in an action scene. He's just getting on his bike and leaving. Yeah,
1: Like, here's the thing, if he were going to, like, drive off and go even to, like, the bar first, Mm. if he were to go to, like, a cool place, I'd be like, all right, fair enough, you gave Stallone a decent entrance, but he does not go to the bar first, (laughs) my friends. No, no, he decides to make a pit stop to Jason Statham first, and then we get the first thing of how many stupid little corny nudges to each other can we do
0: in five minutes? Whilst Megan Fox is yelling because she's the pissed-off girlfriend, of the right, scene. and this is where my first "wait what" moment happened in the movie, mm-hmm. because the trailer, for whatever reason, maybe I misread something. I only saw it once or twice when I was seeing other movies, but the trailer to me heavily suggested that Jason Statham's character Christmas was in a relationship with Megan Fox's character Gina, mm-hmm. but he didn't know that she was also a badass mercenary type person. And she was, like, you know, doing her own thing with another team or something, right? Because there's a scene in the trailer that made it feel like, oh, this is them fighting for the first time. And, like, he's kind of figuring it out. So I was very, very surprised in this scene when she just casually mentioned, I've got the same skill sets as you do. And I know you're my boss, Barney, but something, something, something. And I'm like, wait, yeah. what? I was, Barney I was so... straight up
1: says oh, you know, she's she's a firecracker, but she's an expendable. And I'm like, I'm
0: sorry, she's a what now? <laughs> this was such a weird introduction to... Like, again, see if you opened with an action scene with the expendables as they were getting into a mission, you would give her, like, a separate introduction where, okay, you introduce all the ones we know about and maybe some of the ones that aren't as important. And then you'd give, like, an introduction where she, like, kills someone from off-camera and walks in with a badass line or something. And it'd be like, oh, she's on the team. And that'd be, like, her big entrance. Instead... Her entrance in this movie is yelling at Jason Statham for being a selfish boyfriend or something? Yeah, it's just, I can't
1: even remember what they were arguing about because I don't think it's supposed to matter, but like... Oh, it doesn't matter.
0: It definitely does not matter. I
1: guarantee you it does not matter. No, absolutely not. But do you remember how I said at the beginning that like, she's not allowed to stretch her legs as a character because the audience needs to like her no matter what?
0: Uh, Yeah, literally she's allowed to stretch her legs as much as possible as long as she's not wearing too much. True, true, very much.
1: Um, but this this scene seems to be the only scene in this movie that goes against that, where she is made as unlikable and as shrill as possible for no reason, as far as I can. I I have no idea why they decided to make her so awful in this beginning scene.
0: Like, see, see if they see if they were both fighting, and maybe the fight was about something that was planting a seed for a later conflict or resolution, or, or if maybe if they let's say they had an action scene first, and then the next time we see them, they're they're fighting over maybe maybe she stepped on his toes in the field, and he felt emasculated, and yeah. you know that could be like something we build an arc out of is him learning to get over that bullshit and like trust her and see her as an equal fighter or something, you know, something like that, whatever it may mm. be. But instead, no, it's just random fight because we want to establish that they're together and that Jason Statham always has a rough time with his girlfriends as Barney cracks jokes about it. Like that's all it is. Yeah. So no, all I it mean, is, it's, I was... It's which which leads me to another complaint I have related to this. It's it's this just jumping ahead a little bit. I don't want to talk about anything else related to it yet. Okay. But why oh why, when they go on their mission? that ends the first act and that ends with stolen's death mm-hmm. is megan fox's character not with them why is she not on the team with them? because when she wasn't there i thought wait is there like do they have like two do they have like an alpha team and a bravo team now and she's on the bravo team or something but mm-hmm. then the next time we see the expendables no no it's the exact same group of people she's just there now as well i'm like why was she not on the mission before
1: i can't give you an answer because there isn't one i think that it's mainly just because here's the thing that we haven't really explored yet Uh is that when barney dies due to reasons we'll get to jason statham does not go on the next mission and as such leading the team of the expendables falls now to megan fox who we have never seen on the Expendables before,
0: uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Th- th- this was the especially baffling, bit to me is that if that's going to be your plot point later on, is that she's the next in command? Which mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll accept it that she's rocked her way up the ranks between movies. That's fine, but you have to show me in this movie before that scene that she is a dependable expendable. Four <laughs> movies, we got to break out that one. That's nice, <laughs> but you no, know, you have to show me her in a scene earlier on to establish, hey, she's a badass. So when they yeah. say this later. I can understand the conflict and all that, but instead, it's just something that we're told outright with no evidence beforehand yeah. to think of her. You know, and it's not because she's Megan Fox. I, it's not. It's not even that she's over Jason Statham. It's that there's like three people on the team who have been here for every single movie. Why, yeah. why isn't Lundgren or Couture being promoted like, to would, boss? I would have the same problems if
1: this was Fifty Cent or Young Antonio Banderas. Oh, yeah, it'd like, be the exact it same. Would yeah, be the same problem.
0: It's the exact same problem. Yeah. Um. So. Any, anyway, so they established this, and what what I laugh so much here is that in the trailer they used a take or a moment that's not in the movie, where oh. it sounds like Stallone's like in the trailer. It sounds like it's setting up the plot of the movie where Stallone's like, "Hey, Christmas, I really need you to do something for me. I need you to do this one last thing for me." And it makes it sound like that's the setup for what the whole plot of the movie is going to be, but that never actually that line never actually happens in this scene. It, it does kind of say, "Yeah, I need to go do something," but it, it doesn't come across that. Heavy for obvious yeah. reasons, because he's taking Christmas to a bar because he lost his lucky ring in a bet, and he wants Christmas there as backup to in case they fight him when he tries to buy it back. Which I really do want to impress <laughs> on the audience here, because we 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 told this as
1: action scene and then this happening, but it's action scene. He goes to pick up Christmas to go to the bar, and the moment they walk off camera. Back to the general being tortured
0: for information. and his son being killed. And then cut to the bar. (laughs) It's so abrupt and so horrible. (laughs) And they do this thing here where Barney says he's got a bad back, so he can't really fight, and that's why he's brought Christmas. (laughs) So Christmas puts on his brass knuckles for the fight. There's a lot of dumb dialogue. Also, they're keeping his ring on a weird double dildo. (laughs) i forgot about that yeah (laughs) and he says that's disrespectful um Mm -hmm. and all this is but building up to oh god what was the name little jumbo shrimp jumbo shrimp that's what it was so Mm -hmm. they do this really and this is a really dated joke is that the the name implies a big guy but it's actually a really small man right yeah so jumbo Mm -hmm. shrimp comes out and he's this little irish man i think with like a like a old Vlad villain mustache (laughs) i mean yes (laughs) <laughs> and he's a very angry man so when christmas tries to talk to him he gets very upset very quickly and it breaks out into a fight right mm-hmm. oh uh, it's not important at all but i do want to
1: throw out that barney lost his ring in a bet and mm-hmm. they're all saying like oh it's a bet you know it belongs to us now the bet was over a thumb wrestling
0: contest <laughs> for go <laughs> yes, and, he's explaining to Christmas that he was thumb wrestling. He's like, you know arm wrestling? I like, no, thumb wrestling. And then he tries to show Christmas what a thumb wrestle is.
1: And then and then they show Jumbo Shrimp, and then he's like, you <laughs> lost a thumb wrestling contest to that tiny guy? And I'm like, in the audience, like, it's thumb wrestling. This is the only thing that makes sense out of this entire scene, is that this tiny guy could win in a thumb wrestling contest.
0: <laughs> right? So, so he said he was going to try and buy it back, but he never even offers money for it. He they just fight. Jason Statham kicks the shit at everyone. Turns out Barney was lying about the bad back because he throws mm. someone over the the bar, uh, you know, table. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so he gets his ring back in the walkout, and we're emphasizing this scene because obviously it was quite dumb in and of itself. But yeah. they try and do a really dumb joke at the very end, which we'll la- we'll leave for the end. Right, I'll, I'll leave that to the last thing we talk about. Okay. But they do a dumb joke at the very end which makes them sound like psychopaths. So we'll come back to it, but it's, this seems relevant to it. So we'll mm-hmm. we'll circle back round, shall we? Okay, so uh, they get a mission next to it, right? Yeah, they, so uh, yeah, the they all, yeah. we
1: get the, hey, who's that? Hey, yeah. who's
0: that? Who am I? Who are you? Yes, yeah, all we get for 50 Cent is he's ex-Special Forces, okay? That's his character. Very good. Yeah. I mean,
1: it's, in fairness, like, here's the thing that, like, I get, I understand why they have to do it, but I still don't like it, is that, discounting Antonio Banderas, because they literally just replaced his character, they never bring up what happened to their previous team of new blood. You remember Ronda Rousey? (laughs) All the other three guys? Yeah, remember the last movie when they said, oh, look, new blood, and it's like, oh... Why are we doing that again when we just had that? They could have just all
0: died on missions between movies. And I would have been (laughs) fine with that. I would have been like, that's totally cool. Hey, there is one one shot of the dog tags hanging in the plane. Maybe if you pause it there, you'll see all their names on the dog tags. Maybe.
1: (laughs) But that Uh, implies that I'm ever going to stream this movie again. And that's too much of an ask.
0: Yeah, uh, and... They never mentioned Terry Crews either, but I suppose in the last movie he was shot and was in the hospital, so maybe he just retired from...
1: Yeah. And like, again, I'm fine with that. I'm fine if they just say, you know, these guys are gone now because they went their separate ways. No problem. But say it. Give us something to explain why we have to have 50 Cent and young Antonio Banderas here.
0: Yep. Well, they go on their mission. For some reason, Megan Fox isn't here. Andy Garcia shows up to give them the mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was fine enough it feels like they're quite friendly with him he's the CIA guy given the mission here's why you're going blah 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 and you know that's basically that although do you want to talk about the toothpick
1: no it's not even the toothpick I just think that Andy Garcia is like the worst part of this movie like I oh, think for he's sure. just yeah well, an he's terrible awful actor in terms of everything he's doing here right up until maybe his last few shots not even scenes but like shots
0: <laughs> But that's all I can give him. He's just not good in this. Yeah. No, that's fair. Plus, there's some really crappy plot stuff that ties to him, which we'll get to later. Yes. Uh, So, the, they have the mission, they're, they're going, and they actually, you know what, much like the opening, they did something here to subvert expectations. Mm. Because in the previous three movies, they always fly to where they're going. This is the first time where someone's just, like, fired a missile at the plane, and like, oh, shit, like, yeah. they know we're coming. Um, And obviously that feeds into this plot that we we build up now, which is that someone must have betrayed them and therefore they knew they were on their way. And I guess I'll just talk a little bit about this now. Us a lot, because they retcon Mm -hmm. into Barney's past that there's some big bad boogeyman who no one knows their identity, but he got all of Barney's team killed. So presumably before the first movie. (laughs) Yeah, it was
1: 25 years ago.
0: Yeah. So it's like, okay... So this is some boogeyman that he's been chasing his entire career. And I'm like, not one mention of this in three whole movies. And this is the biggest deal to him is this guy. I just, yeah. you know, I, whatever. Bullshit. is yeah, shit.
1: La- last movie we had, oh, he Mel Gibson was one of the first Expendables and we just never mentioned him up to now. Now we have this guy who killed all the Expendables <laughs> and we just won't mention him up till now. And I... I get it from a standpoint of it's the same sort of thing in like cop shows and whatever where there's a case that went cold and then all of a sudden a new killing happens and it's like, he's back again. And there's no
0: reason to ever bring up that guy uh, you know, in the in-between. I hate that I'm going to defend Expendable C a a little bit here, mm-hmm. but I think the Mel Gibson thing works better because they didn't know he was still alive. So it was like, okay, I That's can buy true. that he was once unexpendable. He went bad. Um... And now he's popped up again. So that that at least made some amount of sense. I can believe that there was old members that have died. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, where's Wesley Snipes? That's that's the other one that's missing from the last movie. Now I'm thinking about it. Uh, But yeah, they here it's just like, no, Ocelot is this thing that Barney has been chasing the whole time. And Mm -hmm. he he, like, so so this is personal going on this mission because they think, they think that Romet is working for Ocelot, which he is. We find out later. He definitely is. Um, But yeah, so they get attacked on the way in, and this is where some of the worst visuals I have ever seen in a movie start to come in. The plane lowers towards the runway, doesn't land, but opens the the thing so that the uh, trucks can, can ride out the back of the plane, and as this was happening, the entire background of this desert around this bit of road, all of it looked like a psd video game you're right that was a good comparison yes that was a good comparison
1: i sat and thought about that one for a while i was like i know i've seen this before oh that's right the first like video games that i got when i got my own money
0: (laughs) it it truly is breathtaking and not like in the the worst ways possible Mm -hmm. just how rough this looked and almost every single shot and this was what really made it bad okay this landing sequence looks terrible. But I guess, okay, it's it's this big spectacle moment. But even once they're just driving in the trucks on the route to where they're going, every single shot of them driving in a truck... And how many how many movies do you watch where there's a scene with characters in a car or a vehicle of some kind? And, you know, indie movies will just... They'll put a camera in the front of the car and they'll just they'll, yeah. they'll, they'll do the shots or they'll put them in the side windows for the shot, reverse shot, whatever. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them in this movie... Is badly green screened, where the background always looks too still and too static. Uh, the 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 actors in the vehicle always stick out from it. Every single moment in this look, like, it does really feel like they were saving so much money by not shooting in any real locations as much as they could.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't. It says here that the filming location is just Greece. I don't know where in Greece, but just Greece. But I am fully expecting that this entire sequence, save for a couple of on, like, the there are sequences where we don't see the actors themselves. We only yeah. see the cars. Those seem to be on location. But it just feels to me like the person who was responsible for, like, getting those shots to, like, plan ahead and saying, oh, we're going to get a shot of them driving in a car, so I should get background footage while we're here. They just didn't. They didn't bother. And so then we were left with, oh, right, let's just put a random desert
0: texture on a, blender setup and we'll just <laughs> throw it in yeah anytime it goes to a close up of the drivers because it's two trucks and there's there's two drivers and there's two guys in the gunner seats whether it's the gunner seat character or the driver character every single time the character looks at one of them or the, ca- sorry, the camera looks at one of them and uh-huh. it looks badly green screened every single yeah. time uh, so it makes this entire action scene when they're doing all this chasing after the bad guy just really tedious um, and it all, bu- all builds up uh, I mean, there's some action here where Jason Statham is jumping back and forth. Uh, We've barely mentioned the Antonio Banderas kid. In fact, <laughs> in fact, we should, I suppose we should talk about the plane ride there a little bit. Yeah, you want to talk about that? All right. I mean, we should mention it. So they gave him the Banderas thing of talking constantly with that enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. But they also, for some reason, added in one new little detail, which is that he's also kind of a pervert. And he basically just starts talking about golden showers and then tries to explain to everyone on the plane what a golden shower is. And, and you'd think, like,
1: right there would be the point they would cut away and be like, well, we don't want to force the audience to listen to that. <laughs> oh, no, audience. You get to listen to that.
0: You get to listen to a good bit of it. Before it cuts to the cockpit and Stallone and Statham turn off, like, the mics or whatever, the radio, so they can't hear it, and then mm-hmm. they talk a little bit, and then when they turn them back on, he's still going on about golden showers, and they turn it back off again. It's It's just a comedy bit. But it's such yeah. a forced, crude bit of humor that that bizarrely has a payoff later. <laughs> That's right. Audience, see <laughs> this movie
1: to see Jason Statham in a golden
0: shower. <laughs> nah, we'll get to the payoff, don't you worry. Uh, but he does a whole thing where he jumps between the vehicles, so does Statham. Uh, but the big thing comes at the end of this, which is statham they're chasing these trucks because the trucks have the detonators right which will lead Mm -hmm. to bad guys having nukes that's very bad yeah right so he is chasing after them but in the meantime barney's still flying the plane he's not on the ground with them the plane's on fire and statham sees the uh the anti-air missile launcher thing and he's like no screw the mission i'm going to save barney and he drives over he crashes the truck into the thing to blow up and it's like okay but the plane was you, already, pl- yeah, it's on fire, <laughs> yeah, man. It is
1: going down.
0: The plane's already kind of done, so it didn't really accomplish anything, and the bad guys get away with detonators for nuclear weapons. And well, here's even the wor- here's the part that's like
1: blinking—you'll miss it. Apparently, the ship, the plane, would have totally been fine. It would have been perfectly fine. Except that the bad guy has a single sniper rifle. Oh, that's right. And he shoots the plane, and then it explodes. Then it's too much. He's got really good aim. The best (laughs) aim, apparently, that we never see ever happen again. There's also one tiny little stunt here that I wanted to bring up before we leave this sequence. Right as they're starting the chase, Jason Statham is in the the gunner seat with um, Antonio Banderas ripoff. And... (laughs) he at one point they come across like a pile of rubble and jason statham's like jump it and he gets back inside the truck as if we're going to see some huge high octane jump and it goes and just ramps over it and then lands without any problems or anything at all (laughs) and then he comes back out and he's like yeah i'm like (laughs) you didn't do anything man like i've seen a kid take a higher jump off a skateboard what are you doing
0: So, it's this big emotional thing as they run towards the plane to see if Barney's okay. (laughs) And they get to the cockpit of the plane, the smoke clears a little bit, and there's Mm -hmm. just this charred corpse with the lucky ring on the middle finger, uh, as if he was giving the finger and flipping someone, like the the bad guy, off as he was dying. Mm -hmm. And this is like, you know what? This is a body, but I'm not convinced this is Barney's body. So, immediately. the movie's put me in this position where I just don't trust and it's telling me now for the next, like, all the emotion that we're supposed to be feeling for this next part of the movie, I just feel disconnected to because I just don't believe you. I don't believe mm-hmm. that he's dead. See, it's one of those things where, unfortunately,
1: the way that movies function, unless you're doing something like Game of Thrones where it's, oh, no, anyone can die at any time, they didn't have that emotional moment where it's like the sign off for Sylvester Stallone character. They didn't mm. have the moment where like he says something poignant or like he talks to Jason Statham one-on-one to like say, it's okay. I'm, I'm okay to die or whatever. Because of that, just from film language, I didn't believe for a moment he was dead. Yeah, it they, wasn't that I was distrusting, I was actively going against what the movie was showing me.
0: They, yeah, they could have done more to try and convince you. They do have them kind of like bond a little bit in the plane and reminisce like on the way there, but it's but not- But they a, do that every movie. Yeah, they do that every movie. <laughs> but it's not enough to actually make you believe, oh, he's possibly actually dead. So mm-hmm. it does, you know, You know, what was funny, I, I thought, oh shit, they're stranded in Libya, right? That was yeah. my first thought. And it just cuts to them in the bar. I'm like, oh, I guess the CIA- came and picked them up all right yeah, why not.
1: also one other thing that's going on that's like it's not even a C plot it's like an f plot is that <laughs> yes is that dolph lundgren is trying to stay sober he also needs glasses and as he's the sniper of the group now he is unable to land these shots on people either because of the glasses or because he's sober and much much later in the film we find out it's because he was sober.
0: He ends up drinking again and he's totally able to yeah. shoot people. It's a bit of a weird message to give to the audience that drinking makes him a better like sniper. It's, it's... I'm, I'm okay
1: with that <laughs> because it's not like this is trying to impart good morals in the audience. True. Like, whatever, if that's what you want to give us. But, like, my biggest problem is that during this scene, because he's acting as the sniper, he is separated from the rest of the group. And so they have to cut away and show him, like, running across this desert to try to get back to the rest of the action. And it just looks stupid to see this now 70-something-year-old man in all this gear just trying
0: to hustle his way through the desert. Yeah, and he's got a stupid wig on. Which, is, yes. it's, it's not like, when I say it's a stupid wig, it's a wig in the movie as well. They, they talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently his online girlfriend likes the, the wig. But he's not met her yet, because that'll ruin the mystery of the relationship. I just remembered something,
1: because you said online, that we're going to get to in about five minutes. And oh, I'm just, yes! I'm not okay with that. Oh, yes!
0: <laughs> so they're at the bar having a bit of a wake. They've got uh, Barney's lucky ring and his hand, like, like you know, flipping them off. Like it's his just, full uh, arm just scorched. Yeah. Like you're in the Terminator 2, uh, they've got like the 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 arm from the first Terminator like, in a case. It's kind of like mm-hmm. that, except this is a real man's arm, which is really really morbid and creepy. But yep. they've just got it there with the ring, so that stuck out to me. But the gist of the rest of this scene is that annie Garcia shows up, talks about going after uh you know ocelot the people behind this, all that stuff, and informs Jason Statham. But because he you know didn't follow orders, right? He disobeyed an order and accomplished nothing and barney's death was therefore for nothing you let him die for nothing because you didn't actually stop the nukes mm. because of that you're off the team and that was the point where i went um do you have does the cia have authority to be telling the yeah. expendables who is on their team or not because i didn't think they did from the last three movies the only
1: thing i could think is that they got cia funding to do the mission at all And therefore, in order to, like, continue with this mission, they're like, look, we will give you more money, but only on the condition that he's off the team. And so they just kind of cut out the middleman and let him make the shot and say, hey, you're off the team. But that's it doesn't there is no point in this where they say the Expendables now work directly for the
0: CIA because they don't. They shouldn't. That goes against the whole point of it. But the entire movie operates as if they do Right, down to the fact that when they're doing the mission briefing for the the mission, and a couple of scenes time, it feels like we're just at a CIA like command center sort of thing. I hate that scene more than any other scene in this movie okay, for multiple we'll, reasons. We'll get but to, okay. it. We'll, we'll get to. It. So Jason Statham's not very happy. Megan Fox was trying to make Chris, uh, Chris Christmas, Christmas feel yeah. better uh by i don't know being the sexy girlfriend i guess but then it's like oh this is awkward i kind of took the job from you oh well and again to reiterate for some reason, she wasn't in that initial mission, so we didn't get a chance to see her in action to show that she is one of the Expendables. It does even to the audience, and maybe, and maybe that's what they're going for here. Is it to the audience? It feels like some new person's shown up and taken the job, and we're supposed to be mad about it to sympathize with Statham. But that feels like a, that feels like I'm being very generous to them. Yeah, I was gonna
1: say, like I said, they seemed like they were trying to make it that. Megan Fox was the legitimate leader. It didn't seem like it was a thing where she was trying to swoop in and be like, no, I'm running this from underneath your thing. To yeah. the point where Statham, at one point in the movie, yes, it's kind of a like secret mission sort of thing, but he gives her his knife and says, yes, take this. I accept you being leader. So, I
0: don't but know. Yeah, to be fair, I think he's more pissed that he can't go in the mission than he is about her being the one calling right. the shots. Uh, I think that's a fair statement to make, but it, mm-hmm. it's all kind of wrapped up in the one scene together. So I think you kind of conflate the two a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so he gets pissed and walks off and we kind of follow him instead of the team, like for a bit, like this becomes like his little movie where he's struggling. In fact, it almost immediately cuts to him looking at the, the, the job offers and the newspaper. Cause you see, he's an old man. He he wouldn't use a job website. He's circling things in the newspaper. Cause that's how old he is. But He's, like, looking through things, and they're all really... And He's got a nice little joke here where it's like ones like, uh, you know, hospitality kind of yeah. host kind of thing. He's like, I can be hospitable. And he says it really, like, stern. And I'm like, eh. It's yeah. <laughs> like, okay. That was a little bit funny. And then they also... in then he sees, oh, personal security for a social media influencer. And I, I, I smiled and went, okay, they're going to let me down. But part of me thinks a full movie of him babysitting a social media influencer would be amazing.
1: Oh my god! Yeah, no doubt. Right? If this were the whole movie, I'd be so okay with it in concept. And in when it's limited to just this scene, I hate. This. The, the,
0: well, the problem is, is that I think in your head you imagine someone who's kind of annoying to him, but maybe he's funny to us that he bonds with over the course of like the story of protecting them and whatever, mm-hmm. right? instead they do the entire thing in one like three minute scene so they have to make the social media guy so absurdly obnoxious that it is just not pleasant to yeah to watch at all he's throwing a party a pool party he's got all of his friends and he like even when he goes onto the the camera and starts recording one of his live shows he's like yeah why don't you vote at home which one of these hot bitches i'm going to sleep with later and i'm like why does anyone like you (laughs) like you're awful
1: I mean, I understand that it might be like a statement on the people who are actually like live streamers and they do these big like luscious party sort of things and they show off their rich mansions or whatever. I can understand if they were going for a statement on that to some extent where, you know, they're trying to comment. But what it comes across as, especially in the fact that Jason Statham is in his like 50s, 60s, is that. It's the old man who doesn't like the way that new things are done. It's the old man who's saying, you stupid kids and your streams and whatnot, I'ma beat the shit out of you. And it's just unpleasant the whole way through. Yeah, I mean,
0: and I think the audience sides with him because the guy's obnoxious. And when he says something to the, I don't know if it's that that I just said or something else he says to the ladies, but Statham jumps in and says, hey, show the ladies some respect like even he's like hey yeah I, like i'm not great with women but like i don't talk to them like that yeah. and then the scene ends with like a sort of like it's, it's the live camera feed from his phone as he's getting punched or hitting the face with a camera mm-hmm. and it's meant to be funny stylistic choice here that i thought was really odd is so they do, they're they doing the oh this is just the, the live feed from his camera now for the rest of the scene and therefore mm-hmm. in theory it'll be funny when jathan stays uh breaks his nose or whatever right yeah. that's fine conceptually that's completely fine um But typically when a movie does this, they really should change. Well, I don't even know if you have to change the aspect ratio to like a phone aspect ratio. It would sell it better if they did. But even if you're not going to do that, I think they did this thing where it felt like instead of just going with a wider shot so it didn't feel super cramped, they did Mm -hmm. this thing where it, it almost felt like it was a portrait video that they chopped the top like bottom off of because it felt like Mm. we were just getting this little like close up glimpse of his face like this and there was like the smiley faces and stuff over the bottom and there was stuff over the top and it felt so confined if I had to guess I would say that they did try to
1: shoot it like portrait style and they were going to go with that but then when they started putting it into the film and like editing it they're like there's no way that we can make this work without like huge black bars on either side and it's going to like Like, I think it was a problem of they looked at their audience that they were expecting to go to this movie and they were like, this would turn off our target audience. So we're instead going to, like, do this half measure (sighs) thing where it's portrait mode, but it's cropped down a whole lot because we don't want to go back and film it.
0: But it's so stupid, though, because, like, even if it turns off your audience, it's, like, what, one minute of screen time and it's, like, halfway through the movie. So they're already there. They've already paid their ticket. It doesn't matter. (laughs) No, I agree. That's the that's the problem with all
1: these movies is that, like, they they are so worried that an audience member is somehow going to be able to leave this movie halfway through, three quarters all the way through, and get their money back. And that's the part I don't get. Like, if they've already started to this point, they you've got their money. There's nothing else that's going to be exchanged here. I don't understand why, outside of the first, like, five minutes... Even then I don't think most movie theaters do refunds like that anymore. I think you can you walk in, you see you don't like the movie, tough. You got to walk out and still have paid the ticket. So yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's just frustrating. I, that whole scene, especially because it it it's for nothing. It's for a comedy beat. That's the only thing it's for is to show that Jason Statham is unable to do anything except be expendable.
0: Yeah, because obviously right after this he makes the choice to go in get involved right because it basically mm-hmm. and but even the idea that he was going to like try and not be involved and like follow what he said felt disingenuous to the character i felt like he should have immediately been trying to do stuff you know shady to like see you know find out what was going on look into stuff whatever it was but instead they play it as if no he actually does listen to them and goes and just tries to live a normal life for all mm-hmm. of five minutes and then decides that no, I can't do this, I'm going to, you know, I'm I'm too obsessed, I need to get revenge for Barney, I'm going to go and get involved. I just, I feel like, th- well, the prospect of an th- entire storyline of him protecting some douchebag does sound, on paper, entertaining. Um, it, Like you say, it's done too quick, he's too obnoxious, it's unpleasant, and then, ultimately, it's not like... Because the, the problem is, is that the motivation for him to like, get involved for the rest of the movie is that he was good friends with Barney and this guy killed him, so he wants to get back at him. Nothing has like reinforced that or changed that through this little subplot. Like, yeah. It's the exact same as what it was before, so it just kind of feels like, yeah, a waste of time for comedy. If,
1: if the entire reason he was trying to get back into the Expendables is because he realizes, oh, I can't do anything except be an Expendable, then that would be fine. The scene would be necessary for that. But like you said, He's back because he wants to avenge Barney. It has nothing to do with him wanting to be an Expendable. He could... Whatever he does after this mission, who gives a crap? That's not about what this is. The mission is about avenging Barney. So cutting to this scene does nothing to forward that.
0: Yep. So he breaks in to his girlfriend's apartment. Uh uh, or house. And starts snooping around. He knows the, the code for the safe. So he pulls out this top secret file which is all about the uh, the bad guy Ramat and stuff like that. And Megan Fox comes home from the gym. And there's a lot of this scene in the trailer. Obviously, the trailer yeah. cuts around the dialogue about Barney because that would give some things away. Uh, but they, you know, they start having sort of like a fight while they're sort of debating this. But it's get, it's you know it's getting kind of like, oh, there's a lot of sexual tension here on top of the whatever else. So they mm-hmm. end up having sex, right? Of course. And we, we come to them after the sex and... They're lying in bed and he's like, Hey, I accept that I can't go, but I want you to take this and use it. And he hands like his best knife, right? It's got a skull mm. on it. It's, it's the whole thing. Um and then right after she leaves, <laughs> he opens his laptop or whatever he's got. Yeah. And my favorite thing about this, like I, I, I could totally believe that the, the the hilt of the knife, the handle of the knife, has got a tracker on it. That's completely plausible and believable to me. Totally. Yep. What I didn't get is why his program tracks this tracker, starts off with a 3D render of the knife with, like, a red dot peeping where the tracker is, and then, like, shows, okay, this is where she is. And, like, why does the tracker know it's in a knife? Like, you didn't buy the knife with the tracker pre-installed. I I, I would have assumed that you put the tracker in manually. You would think so, but I've got an extra thing in
1: regards to this tracking software. Uh Isn't it so super cool that once they end up making it onto this boat, that it's able to show exactly which part of the boat this tracker is in down
0: to the walls of the hull. Oh, this is going back super neat. This is going back to uh that yeah. second Bay Turtles movie where the tracker showed yep. which floor of the building they were on when the, the tracking GPS only tells you the, the longitude we and latitude. We have <laughs>
1: learned nothing. <laughs> also uh, a Megan
0: Fox movie, funnily enough. That's true. Maybe
1: that's just a writer in her contract. Is that you gotta have a stupid <laughs> GPS that does unrealistic things. (laughs) Um, One thing I do want to point out, though, because it's kind of important to the plot, is that this super top-secret file that he looks at for Ramat and Ocelot, Mm. the only reason that they have it is because it was classified until everybody on the mission was dead. And now that Barney died, it was unclassified, and they were able to get some more information regarding Ocelot that was
0: not available to them prior. Yes. So around here is when we get the scene at the mission control where... So Megan Fox, as leader of the team, all she ever really does as leader of the team is tell them what the plan is here at this table and then mm-hmm. that is the end of it. She never does anything as a leader. for the... She doesn't make any decisions later on. She doesn't do anything cool even in a scene where she's just one of the cool characters. This is the extent of it. It's just her telling people, this is what we're going to go do. And that's it. That's not even the part I
1: dislike the most part. I dislike the most in this scene is the elaboration as to why this even needs to happen. And mm-hmm. we have Andy Garcia walk in and he tells them like, okay, all of these detonators, these nukes or whatever are out on this boat. We've managed to track it out to there. We're going to fly you in and you're going to go take care of it. Specifically pointing out how, because they messed up, and because this is now going into like Russia's territory in terms of waters, they are not allowed to be associated with the U.S. at all. It is one hundred percent. They are I, off the grid suicide I, squad, I, squad. Like nothing's going to matter here.
0: I've got Hold a on. feeling. Hold on. Just, I'm just going to say. I, I think yeah. I've got a feeling. that over where you're going with this.
1: Yeah, because it's the next line. <laughs> the very next line that he says is because you guys messed up so bad in Libya. I, Mr. Associated with the CIA, am going to be accompanying you on this mission that cannot be related to the United States at all. The hell was that?
0: That was... I mean, that was the movie saying he's the bad guy. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) No doubt. Which, yeah, for the record, as soon as they talked about there's a villain whose identity we don't know, I immediately went to Sandy (laughs) Garcia. Yeah, why else would you have him on here? of course like if anything I, nothing would shock me more than this movie all in stallone staying dead it would be that andy garcia turns out to be a good guy the whole time because i just the, don't the, believe it
1: there was one little little thing they tried to pull at the beginning of the movie which was uh toll toll road was talking to 50 cent saying you know no one has ever met ocelot and he wiped out Barney's whole team some people think Barney just made him up
0: mm. as an excuse
1: for why his team died and I was like are you guys trying to insinuate that Barney is Ocelot oh
0: that would have been that would have been something it would have been
1: him. I would have been much more interested if that was the case but again it's not I don't it's, know if that would be, be good as...
0: though because it would be like a betrayal for the character as. but you know
1: oh yeah for sure but who knows they could have if they really wanted to learn out of this franchise they could have easily have done it
0: yeah i yeah and uh, just to to, to go back to the megan fox thing again a little bit like Mm -hmm. i'm not saying i just think it's weird that they build up and say she's the captain now look at me she's the captain (laughs) now right they do that she she sort of like you know has this scene where she's like hey this is what we're going to do and she says it all like she's in charge that makes sense Mm -hmm. i just i guess it all extends to to hindsight right because i know the rest of the movie now right it's not something i knew in the scene as it was playing out But all that happens once they go on this mission is after they sneak about the boat a little bit, oh no, the bad guys knew we were coming and capture all of us. And they get thrown in, you know, it's not a brig per se, but it's a fact, you know, they they have something, they have a room that functions as a brig. And I was like, wait, so, they've all just been captured immediately. So her, her first mission in charge, they all immediately get captured. So let's call it an ultimate like a, a complete failure maybe maybe not yeah. as much of a failure as them all being dead but about as close as you can get otherwise so two points on this mm-hmm. she doesn't get any chance to lead before like statham's back with everyone else and they're all just kind of working in unison and so there's no leadership at that point in the movie so she nope. never get a chance to show what she could do as a leader before oh this has all went tits up and now we're trapped until rescue or something comes right Mm-hmm. So that's point number one. It, similar to actually to the earlier on, we were saying how hey, you don't even get to see her being expendable before she's promoted to leader. You don't even right. see her get to do anything as leader before it seems meaningless that she was ever made leader. So, right, that's point number one. Mm-hmm. Point number two. So, this team that goes on this mission, right, we, ha- we have obviously the ones that were left from earlier. We have Megan Fox, and this is also where they add in uh, Lash, the other lady who, you know, uh, to- Toll Roads flirts with a little bit, kind of. Yeah, they have I a mean, sl- can, slight flirtation. Let, let, me, let me finish this point. Well, well,
1: I'm just saying that Lash, when she's introduced here, it's like when Katana is introduced in Suicide Squad and it's just like thrown in. It's just like, yeah, by the way, she's here. She's she's a badass. Yeah. Continue it, on.
0: It's it's basically just that, right? But he but has a moment where, like, you know, like, basically, the, there's just flirtatious little moments throughout the rest of the mm. movie. Uh, the, 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 I'll talk about the main one when we get to it but yeah. so this is the team that come on this mission right so because it's her who's new megan fox this is the first time i've seen her on a mission um technically 50 cent and the the not antonio banderas guy was here earlier but they're still new characters mm-hmm. remember how in the third movie when they assembled the young blood the new generation of expendables and their first ever mission they all just get captured and have to be saved by the old timers i shouldn't mm-hmm. help but feel when this team immediately gets captured albeit still with a few of the old-timers on the team, Mm -hmm. that once again, they've made the same mistake where they look like a bunch of idiots who need to be saved by Jason Statham.
1: I'm sorry, I... Did you say creatively bankrupt? Did you you say that phrase? Because that's all I was hearing that
0: entire time. (laughs) It was in the subtext.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's just like... There's nothing new here. The only thing that they wanted to do was basically say, hey, Jason Statham... You have played second banana for three movies in a row. How would you like your own movie? Primarily because Sylvester Stallone doesn't feel like showing up this week. And he agreed. And then, as soon as they get caught from that point on, it is Jason Statham's movie full out. Like, yes, the other characters do minor things, but it is all about him and how much of a badass he is.
0: Yeah, I mean... Again, if you want to say he's the main character of this movie, that's your pitch for Expendables 4. Fine. It's a bit of a pivot mm-hmm. to what the movies have been, but okay, that can work. But I think all you're asking for, really, is to make the rest of the team look like they're not incompetent. You know, have have them get captured, but have them, like, get captured when they they go out fighting. You know, like, maybe they have a good action yeah. scene. Give them a big moment so they all feel like badasses, but ultimately... You know the chips land the way they do. They get, and maybe that's when the villain reveals who he is, and they like, "Oh, you got screwed over because so and so is really the villain," right? Yeah. Instead, they do the thing where we're not going to reveal it till later. So Andy Garcia is going to pretend to be captured like everyone else, kind of thing, right? Which is again totally original. Thank you. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So they spend a lot of the movie for this middle chunk into the third act, just in this, you know area on the boat with a locked the door Yeah. cell yeah, yeah. Um, so it's not actually a cell though it's just a door that's locked but you know yeah uh, mm-hmm. so I'll just I'll just round out this part here after some yeah. debating about what to do and it gets Garcia gets, gets taken away because he's the leader Uh, At one point, which was, again, the next big sign, oh, he's really just working with them. This is all for sure, blah, blah, blah. Yeah,
1: they they have a whole thing about how there's a guy who works with Ocelot that the CIA has and he could identify Ocelot and they want to do a prisoner transfer between...
0: Yeah, so the bad guys are going to use the team that they've kidnapped now as ransom to get uh, another criminal out of prison. And it's that criminal who could recognize who Ocelot is. So mm. that's who they want. Uh, and when they eventually do bring him by helicopter, Andy Garcia says hello and shoots him in the head. And that's when he reveals, it's it was me all along, Austin. It was me. Bet you didn't see that coming, did you? As the audience <laughs> yawns for the fifth time. And the only time you really see him in between those moments is when he's still been held at gunpoint, but this is conveniently when they're on the video call to the CIA lady. So mm. it's like, it's still a show for her that he's being held at gunpoint. Uh, yeah. So they're they're trying to convince us of stuff, but whatever. So, back the anyway, how did they get out of the room, Pete? That's what I wanted to talk about. Is the they the, to start talking about how there's this uh, panel that in the ship in the event of a you know a tragedy, in the event of a crisis, if the ship's flooding, there's these you know like extra layers where all the water can be pumped through and out and stuff like that. Okay, all right, it makes sense. Makes sense, yeah. And they they say, oh. Let's try and get this bad by open, open and we could get anywhere we want. And like, okay, great. And they try it. And it's like, oh, no, it's too tough. And then someone says, yeah, it's designed to open when it's wet. It won't open. It won't budge otherwise. And I'm like, I'm not convinced that that would be true, but okay. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. And then someone says the natural thing they can think of is, does anyone need to pee? And Toll Road says, you know what? I've been to piss for a while. Sure. And... Probably the entire reason they've got a slightly flirtatious relationship between Lash and Toll Road is because they want this joke here, where she's trying to get Closer to sneak a peek at his cock during this scene. She's sort of like leaning over, trying to see his dick, and then he says, eh, "I need some privacy," and everyone backs away because everyone's everyone's basically standing around and I'm waiting for him to go. <laughs>
1: And, like that would have been a perfect point to cut away, and I'd have been like, "Yeah, okay, he pisses the oh, door yes. opens when we cut back to it, fine, cool, whatever, but instead, we decide to stay on the scene, and well, we have Antonio... to pay off we have to pay off the golden showers thing, yeah, yeah, so Antonio Bandera's ripoff has <laughs> uh, he was he's been very quiet since Barney died because Barney was his hero, and sure, why not and now, finally, as you hear Toll Road's piss stream in the background, he goes on this long, impassioned story of, like, how he's going to personally get revenge for Barney, and he, there's this bone in your throat that's not connected to any other bones, and he's going to tear it out of this bad guy's <laughs> thing. Meanwhile, the piss stream just continues on for two straight minutes in the background until finally, as he's done peeing, the thing opens up and Antonio Banderas Jr. says, I will lead
0: the charge. Well, I he... just, okay. before, just before he says that, though, someone says, okay, who's first? And so a couple yeah. of them look at this hole and there's like piss dripping like down this opening and they're mm-hmm. going, this is kind of gross. I don't really want to. And that's when Antonio Banderas Jr. jumps up and says, I will lead the charge. And he dives in without thinking about it. And then one of them goes... I guess he really does like Golden Showers.
1: And the whole audience laughs, everyone's clapping, (laughs) they stop the movie for like five minutes until people calm down. (laughs) Ah.
0: Such a good joke. This was horrendous. Yep. Horrendous. I I cannot... So, meanwhile, while this is all going on, Jason Statham's looking for Desha, who is this uh, guy that stallone knew at some point and he's passed Mm -hmm. and sure enough he's got a little boat at the pier wherever they are and it's got the expendables logo on it so there's a whole thing they do here where desha tries to deny who he is for like a minute but it doesn't really matter let's just go past it uh so we have a boat ride with some awful green screen once again as they get to know each other a little bit in the boat but Mm -hmm. the big thing that comes out of all this is that desha says that desha you know he speaks in the third person the man that was known as Desha no longer exists. I am now a pacifist, and I am scared to let that person out again because then maybe I'll never be able to put him back in. So they they sort of do this thing where, oh, no, he's trying not to be violent. In, mm-hmm. in any regular movie, I'd say, okay, they're going to build up to this moment where there's a point of no return where everyone's in danger and he has to turn into the killing machine again, right? And yeah. this movie whiffs this so unbelievably where he just jumps in and starts throwing punches and kicks in a moment that has no build-up, where no one's really in that much danger. It doesn't mean anything. He just shows up, you know, 10 minutes after Statham does. You know, he's he's still in the little boat when Jason Statham's climbed up to the big boat. And Mm -hmm. Jason Statham's sneaking around, and I'm like, oh, they're doing some diehardy things where he's sneaking around and shanking some people (laughs) as he tries to find, you know, where everyone is and what's going on. He even has the
1: walkie-talkie back and forth. Straight out of Die Hard. With the bad guy, yeah, yeah. Like, the fact he didn't end it
0: with yippee I'm like, you missed your <laughs>
1: opportunity there, buddy.
0: Uh, uh, of course, when he goes to find the team, they've already escaped through the piss hatch. <laughs> <laughs> so That's just... the official term <laughs> for that. <laughs> so they just kind of run into each other on the deck while they're fighting some bad guys. And honestly, at this point, a lot of the movie's a bit of a blur. There's a lot of action on the deck and... Yeah, there's this whole uh, thing where like he's
1: making his way down deeper into the ship to like get information, and then he's found out he has to steal a motorbike that has guns mounted to it oh i forgot about the motorbike but yeah yeah he then rides back up to the deck of the ship there are two other guys on motorbikes he jousts with one of them (laughs) both of them shooting at each other until finally one collides with a plane and just explodes in the worst graphics that i've seen do you know the the sad
0: part is is that when you said all that out loud it sounded fun yeah when you said it, it sounded fun but it's it's so not fun in the movie it's really impressive No, yeah, they managed to somehow rob all of the fun out of this. There's even a point where he's doing
1: his stealth thing around the hallways and he comes across a group of three guys who are watching the live stream where he punched out the other dudes saying, oh, God, this guy is so cool. He's my hero. I wish (laughs) I could meet him.
0: And then Jason Statham comes up and kills all three of them. The worst bit of visual effects in the whole movie, and this is saying something, Mm. But the one that I think like made me go, ugh, the most, is after the helicopter shows up with the prisoner and Andy Garcia shoots him. And he's like, ha-ha, I'm Austin, it was me all along. Um, so they're planning to leave, obviously, because their whole plan here, and Jason Statham noticed earlier on that they were putting up U.S. flags, is they're basically, who, we have no context for who these bad guys are, what they represent, but what we do know is that our plan here is to make Russia think the U.S. are raiding a boat with a nuke on it. Mm -hmm. Because they've got the boat aimed for Russia with a nuke ready to go off and they want to start World War III. That's their whole plan. But Jason Statham fires a rocket launcher at their helicopter so they can't just leave. So they're trapped on the boat with the nuke that's on a timer. That's all fine. The visual effect of this helicopter falling into the water is one of the worst things I have ever seen in a major movie. Like the way the water kind of like... Just sort of comes over it as it's going into the water, like mm-hmm. over, you know, the helicopter goes in. It just it, I could almost see. It was like dark pixels just kind of, yeah, going over it. It was all That's how when I was talking about like the
1: plane being composited in front of the explosion when it's like supposed to be the plane exploding itself. That's the sort of thing that I was seeing. That's the sort of like it feels like there was one pass through and they didn't even fully render the files. It felt like it was just. Oh, this is vaguely in front of was, this object's Vaguely in front of the other, therefore, it just overtakes it. Yeah,
0: everything on anything we we're looking out over the edge of the boat looks fake. Um, yeah. you know, you get away with it a little bit better for a lot of it because it's nighttime. But once dawn starts to come up, it starts to look terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I,
1: the other thing that we should probably mention is that the, they get on board and they find this nuke is just in the middle of the ship, yes. and it's got a timer on it. And they ha- by the time they find it, they only have like 20-something minutes until this nuke goes off. And honestly, it felt to me like it was one of those things where they timed it out towards however long is left in the movie, like however long until it actually goes off. But it felt a hell of a lot longer than that.
0: Yeah, um, so some of them are trying to deal with that while the others are fighting on deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, their plan eventually is to climb down back to the little boat that Jason Statham and Tony Ja came in in the first place. Mm-hmm. and they do that and statham's got a little more with megan fox because he, he's he's the last one behind and then he cuts the zip line and says the mission comes first so this is a callback to earlier where he's saying no no much like barney did i'm going to sacrifice myself to stop world war three from starting which to be fair as far as noble goals go it's pretty up there right
1: oh yeah it's
0: a good thing sure. to prevent i you know what well, mm-hmm. i can't fault him So he's staying there to try and basically, obviously he can't stop the nuke from going off, but he's going to try and turn the ship around so that, I think by the time he starts doing it, there's like six minutes left on the clock. So so let's say it's six minutes to land, he turns it Mm -hmm. around, so they've got, I think at that point it's like four minutes left, so they've got four minutes to go in the other direction, meaning they're probably far enough away from the land that, yeah. I mean, admittedly, I don't know how much radioactive stuff would be in the water afterwards, but you know, that's a... That's, that's for our so scientists to is, figure out. <laughs> n-
1: nuclear bombs are not actually that bad in terms of leftover radiation because they it's a tiny amount that's spread over a large enough area because of the explosion. Mm. It's, it's much better than something like a nuclear reactor where it's all condensed in one location. However, my problem with this entire setup, not even just like the climax here of, oh, we're going to turn this boat around, is they are doing this entire plot Based off of, oh, we're going to put up these American flags on our boat (laughs) and then we're going to blow up our boat and they're going to think the Americans did it. And the only (laughs) thing that they have that Jason Statham like somehow sees and this this I'm still not okay (laughs) with this is he looks at them raising the flags then he then he <laughs> looks into space and he sees a russian satellite and he oh, realises the satellite can see their flags, and he says, you clever bastards.
0: <laughs> well, to be, to, to, I want to defend it slightly. Not much, okay. but slightly. Right. I don't think it's implying that he can actually see the satellite. I think he's just looking up and thinking about the fact that there's probably a Russian satellite. And we see the satellite, because the camera pulls up in a really bad CG right. shot until we see the satellite. And I, I will grant that,
1: but that still <laughs> raises the point that like, all right, let's 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 rewind the clock here. A week ago, Max, uh, Libya, this general in Libya was murdered and had all of his detonators stolen. I'm willing to bet that people like the CIA, especially I know the CIA, because they were there, they, they were running the mission. And whatever they, the
0: Russians have got equivalent.
1: Right. They would know that this happened. They would be aware that some rando came in and did this. So if they somehow believed for a moment, Russia somehow believed that this boat was actually American. Do you not think the American and Russian intelligence communities would be like, "Uh, hey, remember those detonators that were stolen? Yeah, this is that very clearly. So it's not America. And Russia would be like,
0: yeah, that makes sense. Never mind. You're right. You're absolutely... Here's the thing. Well, they wouldn't say never mind. I'm sure they'd, they'd still be very upset and what he finds who's oh, yeah. responsible. Like, there'd still be a, a chain of events. But... I guess it doesn't matter how stupid the plan is, because we never have to see the fallout from it. We we just have to believe this is what the villains want to do. Not that it'll actually work. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> you understand why that's a stupid thing, Right of course i understand why it's stupid
1: the, no, no, i'm not of, saying the plan i'm saying it's stupid that they never fully thought through what their plan would be if oh, they sure, succeeded yeah.
0: i mean i have to assume at the very least and maybe they mentioned this in the movie that the ship is also maybe a, a stolen american ship to to further go along i mean because be any, okay. anyone can put up a, a, a right. i'm trying not to swear anyone can put up a flag okay yes that's very easy I, You've seen
1: Lord of War, I assume. I Nicolas haven't, Cage. actually. No. You haven't? Well, no. very first scene in that movie is him on a boat. And they have, as these people are coming up to investigate the boat, he has to very quickly, like, look through a bunch of lists of other boats in the area so that he can pretend to be another one from a different country. And it's, <laughs> they show all the things that he needs to do in order to do that. Believe it or not, it's more than raising a flag. <laughs>
0: Yes. I like. It is a ridiculous plan. Um, mm-hmm. I almost want to applaud it just because of how hugely dastardly it is.
1: Oh, yeah, no. It's As soon as you get to end-of-the-world scenarios here, this is the biggest plan we've had yet.
0: It's, it's the biggest stakes that the movies technically have had, because mm-hmm. this is like, like you say, World War three, possibly nuclear war, might kick off if this plan goes through. Yes. Obviously, all of it's terrible in execution, but like and this is maybe going back to the tone problem if this just had the right tone i actually may love what this plan is but mm-hmm. because it's sort of taking itself semi-seriously a lot of this time as well it, it struggles uh during all the chaos toll road gets shot uh and he's gonna be fine but they kind of treat it like oh maybe this is a bad wound or not um yeah. last bit of flirtation with uh lash he says hey can you kiss this and make it better and she sort of you know pleasantly goes uh, maybe later. I'm trying not to die right now or something like that. Yeah.
1: They also specifically have a scene where Lash and Desha team up
0: in a kung fu scene against the like yeah. second in command guy. This was the scene uh, that made me think she was an action star for another movie because they were teaming them up. And I thought, oh, maybe they're teaming these two up because he's known for a martial arts movie. Maybe she mm. is too. And then I looked her up and I couldn't <laughs> find anything. Yeah, nothing. But, but they treated this moment like she it was like... I mean, and to be fair, this was probably one of the more fun fight scenes of the movie because... Both her and him were both good at this, and she's whipping the chains around. There's, yeah. you know, there's something to it that's not just green screen, so there's, there's something to actually get into as far as the action. Go. It, it lasts like maybe 20 seconds. It's not a long time, mm-hmm. but it's it's something. It's it's real fighting,
1: rather than just everyone else in this movie has just been running and gunning the whole yeah.
0: time. Yeah, it, it, I
1: guess it is also worth mentioning Megan Fox, uh, her thing, quote-unquote. She does have a gun, she does use it, but the rest of her thing is just... The exact same move that Black Widow did in Avengers, like,
0: four times.
1: Oh, she yeah, just head, wraps her legs around his the neck head and, like, twists
0: around. That's it. Yeah, the head scissors. Uh, the only other thing I remember her doing here is at one point she shoots a guy that was about to get Statham and makes a like a snappy line about, you're welcome, sweetheart, yeah. or something like that.
1: And then he shoots a guy about to get her and yeah. says, don't mention it.
0: Yeah. So It's basically them going, see, we're equal, except the rest of the movie did not paint in that picture, but... No. But, uh, sure so statham's on his own he's he's uh turned the boat around everyone else is freaking out they're all shooting up into the you know the 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 deck Deck, yeah yeah um and he's like ducking for cover the sun's rising at this point and out of freaking nowhere a missile comes in and like blows away a lot of the bad guys and Mm -hmm. i almost thought they were going to ignore that that just happened because something else happens for a minute first right (laughs) like he goes back to looking at what happens with the boat and then eventually, in fact, he goes out and like, confronts Andy Garcia because he's the only bad guy left at this point and he has a bit mm-hmm. of a standoff with him, right? And then to make the actual reveal is Stallone in a helicopter who's fired the rockets and now completely, you know, yeah, he, it, it, it looks like
1: It looks like Statham and Garcia are about to get into a knife fight and then Garcia's like, you idiot, I still have my gun. And then all of a sudden he's blown up by a missile yes. and Stallone just comes over the edge and be like, hey christmas get on my helicopter we gotta go
0: <laughs> we gotta go now uh yeah it, which reminds me for some reason that when he was turning the ship around and it involved lowering the anchor to stop and then letting it go mm-hmm. the close-up of the anchor chain moving was also horrendous oh like, yeah you couldn't have just got a chain in some water and like <laughs> like showed it moving this was horrible yeah, like it was This shot, I think, might have been in, like, Titanic in 1997 and looked way better.
1: (laughs) Well, it's because that was James Cameron and not I already forgot this
0: guy's name. Wow, That was it. (laughs) What is he, Waluigi? In director for. him? wah. Uh, So, yeah. So, Christmas jumps on the helicopter and he's like, what the hell, dude? And he's like, the file was sealed and it would only be unsealed if I was dead. So I fake my death. And they fly away. And as they're flying away, the nuke goes off yeah well uh, first
1: barney sinks the ship he's like where is the nuke and he's like oh it's the stern so then he literally just sinks the ship which i don't know if you remember titanic but you know how it took a really long time for the ship to go down (laughs) that's not because it was a big ship it's because there were air pockets that Mm -hmm. take a really long time to expel themselves but i guess that doesn't matter when you have a nuke on board
0: well well that yes but that that ship was attacked by an iceberg this is a ship that attacked by sylvester stallone okay it hits the bottom of the ocean in seconds <laughs> so we get this big effect of like the water rising up because the nuclear blast happens under under the water um mm. and it looks like this huge big wall if anything it probably does look better than a lot of the other effects just because it yeah. can be kind of vague because it's just a lot of water but like they don't focus
1: on it's like two shots one where it's behind them and then one where it shows just how close behind them it actually
0: is like up from the side and then it's gone i just wish the movie had the tone that fit how ridiculous this is because i may like it but yeah no it's it's, honestly
1: i think uh, that first action scene with the torture and all that was the exact wrong tone to set because it was too brutal it was too dark and so the rest of it all kind of fit into that lighter sort of idea but we
0: just got off on the completely wrong foot at the beginning so the final scene as always with these movies is back at the bar where they all hang out uh mm-hmm. and jason statham asked the sensible question wait whose hand is that with your ring on it and the movie all other than some just sort of like farewell moments and you know uh some colin not uh, going oh on. my god they i i she could
1: have had like an entire mask get up going on and i don't think a single male in
0: the audience would have noticed with that shirt no no uh you, you could see a lot through that shirt uh, yeah. that really st- stuck out to me i guess uh, there were two
1: things sticking out to me
0: but, yep. <laughs> um, but all on that the, the, the scene ends or the movie ends with this scene where barney explains how he faked his death and mm. Basically, as he was going down, he put someone else in the chair and he you know, dove out with a parachute. That's all fine. But the part that makes him psychotic here and what makes this really, really weird is the person that he pulled out of the plane to sit in the seat, meaning that he had this plan. This was a conscious plan the entire time. Is that it's a jumbo shrimp from the bar who he stole his ring back from. Now he was a little shithead, don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. does he deserve to be murdered horrifically like this? You know,
1: I think that Barney might actually be Ocelot.
0: <laughs> because it cuts back to them as they're he's telling the story, and Christmas is like, You dead eh? and it's like, Yeah, mm-hmm. dead, and then they both start laughing, and that's when it cuts to credits. I'm like, that that was smarter. murder. That was
1: cold blooded I- murder. Can I also just, like, point out one <laughs> thing specifically here? Yes. Okay, they're they're stuck in Libya. Let's assume they can't get the body back, but they just, like, chopped off his arm or something. Uh-huh. Fine. I'm willing to accept that. They didn't notice the body was two feet shorter? <laughs> <laughs> That's also a very good point. It's a very like, good point. If they were to make it so that this character was the exact same size as Stallone and, like, they specifically pointed that out, I would have been cool with it. It would have made sense. But they made the point that he is significantly smaller. So no one
0: thought to question that? This is just such, like, tonally, this is just all over the place. But even if the tone was right for all the sillier things that happen in this movie, Mm -hmm. I think this would still feel a little bit off. Like, you've just taken someone, you've kidnapped someone and killed them to fake your death. And this was not someone that earned being killed. It's not like you you grabbed like a like a child predator or something, you know, nah. like someone really nefarious. No, no, just the guy in the bar that didn't like you very much.
1: Like it would have been as simple as them saying like, oh, yeah, jumbo shrimp. He's wanted for like rape and murder, like make him irredeemable just by telling us that he did something bad. Instead, he's a dude who won a thumb wrestling competition and is kind of a prick. Like, that's nowhere near enough.
0: Yeah. Uh, and Chris was, I think, my a helicopter still, before they get back, he asked the question, wait, why didn't you, like, fill any of us in? And I'm, and mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, you know what? He did leave it spectacularly late to show up and help. Like, he really could have, like, as soon as, like, people had a look at those files, mm-hmm. uh, like, he could have, like he could have walked into the briefing mission he could have been like hey megan fox i'll take over from here but no he he just he leaves it until so late in the end and yeah it so happens that the movie has no teeth and no one got killed none of the good guys Mm -hmm. died but Mm -hmm. like they could have died and he he showed up all at the end bully nilly was he like like hiding next to the ship in the helicopter for like uh, for hours keeping an eye on things to when he's needed
1: that's that's you just we watched the movie again and it gives an alternate Barney cut where it's just <laughs> every three to five minutes you just see him in the helicopter looking up like, nope, still going,
0: all right. Did he need my help yet? Did he need my help nope, yet? Nope, nope, guess not. Uh it just it feels like what was he doing for like the runtime of the movie? Like the entire time they were on this boat until he showed up. What 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 was happening with him? The I I would like him deeper clarification of how much time actually
1: passed but what if he was just genuinely exiting libya like it took him that long to get an exit exit plan
0: (laughs) and then by the time he got the information and found out about the boat by the time he got a helicopter and flew out there that's just as quick as he could get but at least that like see if we knew that though see let's say like halfway through the movie we cut to libya and we see him like get another big entrance but no he's still alive at least the idea of like his side plot being he's trying to get to them to help mm-hmm. like that could be like a, a bit of excitement you know like he's he's even, closer he's closer he's getting there even if
1: you wanted to keep it a surprise at the very end they did the little flashback of showing here's how he escaped just continue show like and then i had to leave Libya, and by the time i got
0: home you had already left that's all you needed yeah yeah that probably worked as it is, it just feels like he was. I'll I'll, I'll wait until he I don't have to do. He was filming another movie. He was just over there. <laughs> I'll wait until I don't have much to do. Uh, mm. Until basically everything but the main bad guys done, and then I'll fire a rock at him.
1: Yeah, which again, that could work in a different toned movie, but it just yes. didn't
0: have it. Yeah, it just doesn't. Yeah, the, the tone's all over the place. Uh, As always, there's very little in the way of character. I mean, now, to be fair, Christmas kind of has an arc. Like, and most of these movies have not had that for any characters. So I I guess I'm saying good job on that. That at least this idea of him being willing to sacrifice himself for the greater good is a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But none of the other characters get anything. The the most you get is like a little bit of flirtation between Lash and Toll Road. And that's kind of something that recurs enough that it feels like a thing. Um, Yeah. Dolph Lundgren drinking booze again and all of a sudden he starts and it's not even like he does anything special once he starts being good at it again he takes out a couple of bad guys and goes yep still got it and then it never mm-hmm. comes up again that he's shooting better now nope. nothing is done with it I mean
1: at the end of the movie could you even tell me whether or not Megan Fox and Jason Statham are in a better place than they were at the beginning of this movie
0: they're acting nicer to each other on the last scene Right, but like because of how the
1: movie began, I never got a feel for whether or not that was normal for them, or whether that yeah. was just an explosive episode. It's
0: yeah. If the if the point of it is, is that he's meant to respect her more as part of an equal team member by the end. Mm-hmm. They never set up enough of that to actually make it feel like he had to learn that lesson. No, because a,
1: do you do you remember the part where Jason Statham said he had a panic
0: attack? That's right. He said up like he just casually says the night before. It's on the way to the mission early on. where he says last night i had a panic attack and i forgot about that because it never comes up again right it's just it's a whole bunch of nothing it seems like it's about to
1: set up a bunch of character arcs but then all it really ends up being is jason statham learns that yes you can die for the mission and that's it
0: like megan fox has nothing to do 50 cent gets nothing to do Uh... i never see antonio banderas get pissed on which feels (laughs) like that was set up Yeah, literally, all he does, all he has, is the payoff to the piss joke, mm-hmm. uh, which is going through a door. <laughs> that
1: being said, there was one line he had that actually did make me laugh, and that was in the Libya mission at the beginning. He pulls up in one of the like trucks, and as he pulls up, he says, "Get in, losers! We're going shopping." And I just—that's a Mean Girls reference. I just love that. That was a great one.
0: <laughs> he truly is part of the new blood. Yep. Uh, yeah. And it's the sort of thing where I suppose they were hoping when they greenlit this at Lionsgate, they thought, oh, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe we can f- continue this with some of the younger people and whatever. This movie is not done well, though. This movie's done worse than all the previous three. This is probably the nail in the coffin for the Expendables.
1: My, my favorite trivia on IMDb with 342 helpfuls is Sylvester Stallone has confirmed this is the
0: first of a new trilogy. <laughs> no it's not no it is not <laughs> no it's not you may have wanted it to be but it is definitely not um it's, it's lacking the star power that the entire franchise was based around in the first place mm-hmm. Um the fact that not a single big cameo happens at any point in the movie is kind of weird
1: yeah i mean i could see these as adapting into a straight to streaming series like something that you know netflix or amazon
0: prime buys and it just already, kicks out one every couple years it already looked worse than that so i mean yeah <laughs> yeah I, I, yeah it wouldn't surprise me but like yeah like like you know lash probably seems like the most in the new characters but it's really just going based on how she carries herself and how mm-hmm. she looks you know she, she's got like i think she's got like tattoo sleeves or she's she's got like the yeah. the she's got the, like White hair, or at yeah, least very, very she, she, bleached she, hair. She sticks out as in the same in the way that she's got like a bit of like a like a not costume, but like she's got a personality in her looks. She strikes me as the older version of
1: that schoolgirl from Kill Bill Part One, with like the chain mace thing going oh, okay, on. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's the kind of vibe I got from her. Not quite as psycho, but still
0: there. Yeah. That said, though, we do continue the trend of at least one of the Expendables having to flirt with a female member if they're added. Yep. Uh, that's something that they've had in all the movies so far, so do have to dock points for that. Um,
1: which leaves you with negative seven points.
0: <laughs> uh, you know, Megan Fox is already in a relationship with one of them, which I guess, fair enough, but then she's not mm-hmm. given anything meaningful to do. So everyone just feels like they don't get enough, and... Mm-hmm. It just it feels like it doesn't use its time wisely. It's poorly edited. The visual effects are atrocious. And the structure is horrible. Uh, it tone, tones all over the place. Like, there's, there's very little... Like, the only positive things that I can really say is that there's a couple of technicalities that it does better than maybe the others because it does a few things differently. So mm-hmm. I guess that's good. And... That's about it. Like, like, if you like bad action movies, you might at least not mind having this on in the background, but it is it is bottom of the barrel as far as yeah any of that goes. No, I mean, this is...
1: Uh, like we were saying, the boat, once they get onto the boat, we never really clarified. As soon as they get onto the boat, that's where I feel the third act pretty much starts. Like the moment Jason Statham steps foot on that boat, and oh, yeah, that but is oh, for more than half the movie.
0: By the time he steps on the boat maybe but not when the mm. others get in the boat because they're on the boat trap for a while before he gets to the boat i think i think him on his own doing his social media stuff and then looking for you know like having sex with megan fox and then looking yeah. for the 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 guy in the boat all that stuff feels like the the, the second act like me.
1: i get that i understand and he even follows the same kind of structure where like the character needs to be at their lowest at like the mm-hmm. midpoint or whatever but the if you going by like time wise oh. the midpoint of the movie is like the point where they're freed from
0: captivity hold on hold on hold on, hold on hold on there's one point i need to talk about okay just to actually i mean everything with who ocelot is is already convoluted everything with barney faking his death already convoluted but there's mm-hmm. an extra convoluted layer to add on to all this is that when Jason statham shows up and meets up with the rest of the team and he's like ah you're happy to see me megan fox's character smiles and says oh I knew there was a tracker in that knife. My plan all along was for you to show up and help, and I'm like, piss off! No, <laughs> no, this is so stupid. This is so convoluted. You're you're not going to tell me that that like she always planned for him to show up during yep. the mission. No, I just it's it's too nonsense. It's- I I mean, I agree in that
1: it's it's stupid. It's unnecessary. But based off of what the movie was already doing and how they treated Megan Fox in that she is kind of unable to do anything wrong, I it didn't seem out of place. Like, like I accepted it was stupid, but did, it was just What's so
0: sad about it is that if they, the one little change would have made it work, see if instead of saying, oh, she secretly had this plan all along and he just happened to get there at a good time, see if when she said, see, see if when he showed up, right, and she mm-hmm. says, oh took you long enough see if it flashed back to like them in bed together right and there was more to it that we didn't see before where she flat out says you know what i think there is a mole and i think it would be good to have someone outside of the team who can come in and help later on and said hey and he's like yeah put a tracker in that and she's like good like you know show up when you can later because i think someone's going to betray us because one, it would show her being smart because she's, she's thinking ahead and like sees mm-hmm. that possibility, which does arise. And two, it wouldn't feel like a massive convenience that he does show up in a good time frame to help them. So And three, it would further their relationship a little bit of showing that they trust each other. Yeah, and working together. Yeah, because yeah. they'd be in in this together. Look mm-hmm. at that. One small little change, one extra little scene in the same location, and we've just improved that entire part of the movie.
1: We'll take our check, Lion's Cut. (laughs) All
0: right. Should we rate this? We've already gone longer than the movie. Oh, God, we have. It's almost two hours. All right, David, what are you rating Expendables for? I will
1: give Expendables for... 3.5. I I, I have no reason that I want to elaborate. See the previous two hours, if you want my reasoning. (laughs) It's just... Not good. It's just a bad movie overall. And the 3.5 is for the occasional comedy beat. And that's
0: about it. Yeah. You weren't tempted to go with four just because it's expensive. I was tempted
1: to go with four, but I thought, you know what? It doesn't even deserve that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm looking. the, The last time I gave a four was Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And I disliked this more than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull.
0: Did I give the third one a four? I feel like I might have done. You did, yep. I did, yeah. This is... Bizarrely, I think I'm going to go with a four again. Okay. And my reasoning is is that I'm actually having trouble deciding if I like the third or fourth least between the two. Okay. Because I think the third one is also a mess for a lot of reasons. Um, I, I, like, we, we talked about that in depth when we talked about it. But mm-hmm. I, I think ultimately, I think they have different problems from each other. They share a few problems, but they've got a lot of different problems as well. Yeah. I think at least this one, I think, is probably... and Because like, the third one was two hours, may I remind you. This is about an hour yes. 40. Mm-hmm. I think this one is a slightly easier watch as long as you want some bad action movie background something Mm -hmm. on, right? Yeah. And I think on that merit, I'll go with a 4 out of 10 because I don't think it... Well, it is really bad for all the reasons that we have stated. I don't think it's, like, unpleasant to watch in the way that some other really grating bad movies are, which is why I'm not going lower than a 4. Like, as I was watching it, I wasn't angry and, like, furious at the end that I spent time with it. I was just disappointed and befuddled at the choices they made and the things that they did as opposed to you know, when i get out say i don't know pick another bad movie we've done um <laughs> like there's so many there's so many yeah like I, I think it's at least like the sort of trash that is just easy to put on so on that merit i'll give it the four and it doesn't last too long that is those are the the compliments i can give it just
1: just because someone doesn't waterboard you for as long as someone else doesn't mean it's not still torture (laughs) all right and then of course it doesn't make the cut no obviously but the question is is it cut from the collection or do we go deeper
0: well we got a cut we got cut from the collection below Mm -hmm. that we have cut uh, your losses cut your losses and below that we've got it cut deep I think yeah. cut your losses feels right to me there. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I, I, don't, I, have... th- I don't think it's truly. I don't think it's painful enough to say it's a uh, no. You know, not a disaster all. like one of the worst things ever made. It's just a really, really bad movie.
1: I I see absolutely no reason anybody would say, ah yes, I must complete my collection with Expendables four. <laughs> you
0: know, what's so funny is that I before we did them. The bundle of the first three was on sale on iTunes, and I almost bought them, thinking, "Oh, we're doing them soon, and they're this cheap enough. I might as well get them." Yeah. I chose not to do that, and when I rewatched them and realized how much I don't like the first and third movies, I I felt good about that. I feel good. even better about that now that I've seen the fourth <laughs> one and realized that I only kind of like one of four movies in the entire set. I mean, I will, of course, be buying the Steel Box Blu-ray special edition as this comes out. So. <laughs> oh well there you go mm-hmm. that's an expendable season done with and you'll be delighted to know audience Woo! that starting next week we'll be kicking off our david fincher season this was uh, a patreon Woo! vote one of our votes in recent months was for our patrons to pick between three directors uh, mm-hmm. All all the directors had a new movie coming out somewhere in october or november fincher won his new movie the killer is out in november so we'll be doing mm-hmm. that obviously when it hits Otherwise, though, we will be going through his filmography in order, only excluding his one science fiction film, Alien 3, because we already did that over NACE, Mm -hmm. the sci-fi movie podcast, and we'll be excluding uh, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo because that's kind of a whole franchise, so we'll do that with the others at some point. Um, The only other thing to note is that the second film uh, of his, The Game, will be a Patreon Mm -hmm. bonus episode, so the October bonus episode in Patreon uh, will be The Game. Uh, But we'll be kicking off regular Fincher season next week with seven and going from there with most of his movies from that point on in order with just the killer slotting in when it comes out and then Mm -hmm. we'll finish off uh, what's left after that. But it is a good, what, nine week season? So, Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So hopefully you're excited for Fincher season and we'll go through all those. I mean, it'll be more interesting to talk about than Expendables. I've got a good feeling
1: yep guys I, I already just looking at the list i have so much more to say than i think i ever had to say about expendables 3
0: and also uh just you know to to break kayfabe and peek behind the curtain we've already recorded the first six of them so yeah. we we kind of know that they're more interested to talk about <laughs> oh dear so yes join us uh next week for seven and all of david Fincher's season uh hopefully you're you're into that idea and uh, meanwhile mm-hmm. though you can get bonuses over on patreon uh, every month there's two bonuses on offer at the three dollar tiering up uh, you get access to right now you get access to the bonus episode starting november or december one of those months it'll switch over to the criterion cut uh, and that'll become the bonus episode on patreon by the way you get a bonus thing at the three dollar mm-hmm. tiering up a bonus episode of sorts now the five dollar and up you get extra reels which is our show where we review some of the worst movies of all time uh such as films by neil breen i'm sure we'll eventually do things like birdemic in the room we haven't done those yet but that's the type of caliber we're talking about Yay. so you can get that uh over on patreon um so there you go. In fact, this month, if I could just go over here, was uh, a, a Chinese film called Super Inframan, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, so go check out that. We did do a fun uh, bonus episode this month, though. The, the last one that went up was a Dolph Lundgren movie called Showdown yes. in Little Tokyo, which is better than all of the Expendables movies. So,
1: hands down,
0: not even yeah. a contest. Not a great movie in a traditional sense,
1: but is a B movie. It's the movie Expendables we're trying to hopefully be,
0: <laughs> but failed miserably at. Mm-hmm. Anywho, that is the show. Thank you very much for joining us. We do appreciate it. Keep watching movies, and in the words of Sylvester Stallone, "This is cinema."